video games were made to be played. Don't play yours? We know some people who will. We are Get Well Gamers, a charity who take your unwanted video games and consoles to give to children's hospitals and wards across the UK. Donating is super easy. Just head over to our website, getwellgamers.org.uk, to fill out our online donation form. You've played the hero, now be the hero. Welcome to the Pure Dead Gaming Podcast, episode number 70. A very special podcast episode indeed. Today, not only am I joined by Craig and Andy to talk about the newest gaming releases, gaming news and games we have been playing and all the usual Pure Dead Gaming nonsense, but Craig and Donnie also had the chance this week to interview Dominic Diamond, Scottish TV presenter of iconic 90s Channel 4 show Games Master, about his newest adventure. So, Make sure you keep listening for that. If you're new around here, then welcome. I am Jessica, and like I mentioned, each week we delve into the latest gaming news. Craig shares with us a pure dead platinum for all you achievement and or trophy hunters. We also share this week's nominations for Get in the Bin and share our latest pick of the week. We have bumped this week's gaming movie to next week, so if you have not yet watched Dead Rising, then you have bonus time to watch it and let us know your thoughts for next week. The episode description includes all the relevant links to our social channels, video content on YouTube and Twitch, and of course, the hub of it all, puredeadgaming.com, where we post all our reviews and podcast-related content. If you'd like to get in touch, then Discord is where it's at. Come join our channel. It's free. We are friendly. Mostly. And with that said, Craig and Andy, hello, how are you both? Hello. Fabulous. Woof, woof. Fabulous. I have returned as a working man. Mm. First day back at work today. Your second day back, so we're both on the yeah, back on the grind. Go. I've not stopped, I just, you know, keep everything afloat, don't I? Well, some would say you've not started working, I've seen you in action. Red. <laughs> Unbelievable, stealing a wage. Stealing a wage. If you can, go for it. Exactly. Anything special happened last week? Uh, Any food concoctions you've come up with this time? Well, I've perfected coffee. You've perfected coffee? (laughs) Yep. Listen up, everyone. Wait till you hear this, honestly. uh, He's so proud of himself, but I'm so embarrassed of him. He's always so proud of himself. Look at his face. (laughs) He's always so. I wasn't even going to talk about this. Smug little fuck. <laughs> right, right, well. Perfected coffee. <laughs> you could say I've platinumed coffee. Right. Oh, gosh. Right? No. So, what happened was obviously being partially crippled for two weeks and unable to crawl along to a Greg's. Uh, Why is Greg's your choice of establishment for a coffee? It's not even a speciality place for a coffee. It's just a standard coffee, like Kenko or something. <laughs> well, the whole thing was that I used to go to Costa every day, uh-huh. but you get quite annoyed at that because a coffee at a Costa is about four fifty. That's that's a fair point. I uh, so I started so. going to Greg's because it's like two thirty. <laughs> okay, that's the only but reason. Is the price okay. differential 
also taste. No, it's it's not actually not too bad. The, really? The, uh, no, the Greg's coffee's all right. It's pretty good. Oh my god! It's right. not it's not too bad at all. Okay, what okay. is it? That Do is the whole reason for it. And see, cause of that, like everyone, especially on the Discord, they'll think I'm some sort of fucking like coffee connoisseur. No, they think I'm obsessed with Greg's. I don't even particularly like the food at Greg's that much. Oh, I'll have I a sausage. I don't, I'm not a fan. I'll of have Greg's. a sausage roll from time to time, nah. but the actual food out of Greg's, like well, that's us never getting a sponsor from Greg's. Thanks. <laughs> Look, as long as that wee wank with the salted caramel still works, I don't want anything to do with them anyway. That's the thing. The only, only thing I can really eat a yum yum. And their cakes are good. Cakes are good. Aye. I can't eat much of the f- food stuffs. Nah. Nah, no, that's the pastry great. stuff. It's all right, but it's... it's very basic, I think. Aye. So on you go. How have you perfected coffee? Well, so I was... Throughout the two weeks, I've been... Experimenting. Experimenting. And I've settled on, uh, what are they called? The Nescafe sashes? Sashes of, of coffee, yes. Right. No, so it's like, I know it's a latte. of coffee. It's a, it's a latte sashi. Right, yeah. Right. Nescafe, <laughs> yeah. Nescafe. It's a latte sashi. Uh, it's not coffee, it's a latte, so set with your, t- your tone. A uh, latte sashi. Yeah, of so caramel. I've had them before, and they've always been nice. They are nice, but... The key mm. is a syrup, a salted caramel syrup that I got off Amazon. And I, I don't even remember the name of it. Should I get the name of it? No, I no? don't. It's okay. No. It we'll was, share it, it on our Discord channel for anyone who no, it, cares. I, I basically went through Amazon looking at reviews for the best one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's listed as a year or something like that. This stuff is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say is, it's not ideal that the sachet is a caramel latte and then you're adding salted caramel to it. So I would say, even for me, it is a little bit sweet. I'm excited so to try I'm it. I'm struggling to... How have you perfected coffee? By just buying something? By putting the sachet and the syrup together. The sachet and the ah. syrup together. Equals perfection, yeah. apparently. And then, and then there's a certain amount of milk you have to add as well, which some people don't do. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I would say investing in an actual coffee machine with actual beans, you know, that's mm-hmm. where the good coffee's at. I think... I feel as if you would get used to that. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, one of those ones... Tsh- you're like scolding yourself every week. Like, fuck! Up at six thirty, barista. He's got always, he's got always barista stuff, and he's got always team eggs on top of it, ready to just plunk into the coffee. Yeah. Um, I, I, two, two, two eggs. You want two eggs? <laughs> two eggs. Coffee, coffee to go. Syrup, two eggs. There we go. Yeah. Craig has been known to put cream eggs in his coffees. Just FYI, if you don't know that. I haven't put a cream egg in this coffee though. It would be no, way too sweet though. Too it's honestly like what I think. Too much. See, honestly, this this salted caramel is so good that I think when it comes to buying more sachets, I'll even try and get you get like skinny latte ones as well. I'll maybe try and do that with the dash because I think it's enough. But it was just the fact that we only had caramel latte sachets at the time. But even right. that's a wee bit too much for me. If you're to add a, I mean, a cream egg is. The inside of a cream egg is like solidified sugar. If you put that in as well, mm-hmm. you would even I would be fucking rocking. Would I'd probably just keel over on the ground and just develop diabetes <laughs> 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 oh, on the floor at the time. 
Okay, enough of your dietary habits. Once again, for this week's podcast episode. Well, I wanna, actually, I want to just know before we move on. Okay. Has he started his diet yet? No. Wedding's December. Countdown's on. No. Mate, you can see these coffees. They're probably about <laughs> 500 calories. <laughs> I haven't even looked yet. See that syrup? It's so good that I'm terrified to look at the back Where of it. Where is this syrup? Are you, is it it's some... in the kitchen. You right. should, you should, do you know what you should do? You should have like a wee, I'll get you a wee cup and you can have just a wee shot of the syrup. Right, okay. Do a, do an elf and just, boom, start chugging it. It's fucking amazing. Right. So you've not started your diet? No, he has not. No. I've right. been eating better. Mm-hmm. I have been eating better. Mm-hmm. But you've also been sat on the couch and not moving, so also. I've been unable to move. Right. Okay. Games. Yes. Games. <laughs> we do speak about games. Would you like to go first, Jess? You've been playing a game that will be released within the hour of this podcast going live. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. What's it called again? <laughs> Trek <laughs> to Yomi. Yomi. Made that much of an impression of you. This game's out on Thursday, and I think it launches at 2pm, and we launch at 3pm. But uh, we have been playing it. Well, you've been playing it Yeah, today. so I've, I've started the first maybe... 20 minutes half an hour or so um there were four difficulty options when i first loaded it up and love it love obviously it. he's an easy mode i went for the easy mode not gonna lie because it said you know if you're into stories and if that's what you know if that's what you're interested in i thought yeah let's go for that um obviously i'm still very early days so it's hard to kind of gauge at this point how it's going to progress, I suppose. Um, but I do feel like I'm actually regretting the level that I've chosen because if if what I've played so far is going to be how the game continues, then I feel like it's not challenging enough. And mm. I think or what I hope the game kind of goes on to make you do or force you to do is get really good at your combos. Mm-hmm. And your, so it's a... What's, your parrying timing. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a lot of timing based stuff which won't matter as much in easy mode yeah so obviously there's you know the kind of i guess main point of the game is combat you know mm-hmm. you're you're a what's the word a, you've got your samurai sword um well i don't think you're a samurai because it looks like you're potentially like a 12 year old boy yeah although that might just be the prologue maybe. like i wonder if it then jumps forward maybe but uh, at the time you do seem like quite a quite a young whippersnapper. Oh no, I think I'm actually on to the next part because right. my guy's a bit older now. Ah, right. Um, Sifu style. Yeah. But yeah, as I say, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I, I'm going to probably move the, the, the difficulty up because I feel uh, like it's, you know, move along the scenes, kill some guys, move along the scenes, kill some guys. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I could get bored of that if that's how it's going to continue mm. it does look cracking up. it looks amazing ah, it look um, cool. one yeah. of the kind of first um scenes after the sort of tutorial um you come out into the village and what i've i've rarely seen in games is the camera panning out as you're walking forward so you're kind of at a distance moving mm. your guy i suppose down the way on your controller and yeah. the camera panning back and i just thought like that's a visual you don't see very often mm. in games um and then it's kind of as you turn a corner, the camera moves, and it's just really well done. It's all black and white as well. Um, the scenes yeah. are very detailed for yeah. the short space that you're in them, so they have obviously put a lot of work into. 
at times perfecting some of it at times in that early point it was almost like back to Resident Evil fixed camera mm. so you would come into a scene and the camera would be like locked in one position as you then walked through it and then you would come through into another that room scary, and then it would change yeah, I, that's, yeah that's true yeah that works so well for Resident Evil like mm. this isn't going for like fear it's more going for I suppose it's just a style but yeah. it's, it's very I don't know there's something like not a lot of games do it so it's like an interesting choice mm. because uh, that's not the a lot thing, of games when, do they, it. when they remaster games, they just instantly think, oh, put a 3D camera in it. I uh, get the camera and behind it. It totally them. changes the the game. Mm. Like, not in a good way, because like Resident Evil and Metal Gear Solid, for example, were locked, and it was done in a way that you couldn't see certain bits. Yeah. So you had to kind of plan a bit better. Mm. And it, like, for Resident Evil, especially, it was scarier that yeah. you couldn't see below, and you're like, oh, I can't see what's doing there. Yeah. Stuff mm. like that. But if you get a 3D camera, you can just look around and see everything. It takes the fear away. Mm. Definitely. I'll, I always think back to like that, what you're saying there, Resident Evil 1, when you went through and the dog jumped through the window. Oh, like, yeah, I thought you were going to see the first zombie. The, that of, too, aye. Yeah. Like, all of it, but like the fixed camera really worked for that. Like Definitely. It's one of the things I would think of first when thinking back to that first mm-hmm. Resident Evil. Like, it's a shame. They, they, I don't think they'll ever do a Resident Evil like that again. Yeah. Look, they've no. got a fucking third person. Just Resident moved on too much now. Uh, it's a shame. Mm. But, yeah, so I'm yeah, interested to kind of see like where it goes from here. Obviously, I'm very early into the game, so I can't give a full judgment. You are going to probably start it as well and do a Let's Play. I'll do a First Impressions Let's Play tonight, and I'll put it out. So as soon as the embargo lifts, I'll, I'll schedule it. So yeah. it'll be live by the time this podcast goes live. But as of yet, I've seen you play a little bit, but I've not played it mm-hmm. myself. Interestingly, the embargo is the day it, or it's the time that it, it's actually released. So yeah. it's one of those ones, you know, they've not given out codes early to get reviews out early. So it does make you question, hmm, like uh, why did uh, I know what you mean yeah and I mean so far a good sign mm-hmm. uh, usually it's not a great uh, no, well the codes did go out early mm-hmm. so they have given out codes but they've they're basically holding the embargo you know no one's allowed to put up the review until the game's live mm-hmm. which means that anyone that's pre-ordered it doesn't have a chance to fob that off if they see something they don't like in the reviews mm-hmm. but I mean so far it's from what I've seen and it's granted it's a small amount that you've played but from what I've seen it's exactly what I was expecting, yeah. which was good. Yeah. So it's not I've not seen any red flags yet. Not that that'll matter since you won't be listening to this until it's too late. Mm. And it's black and white anyway, so you'll not notice if it's red. That's true. That's true. It could all be red. There could be fucking red flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from one sword game to another, I've also been playing Switch Sports, which mm. has um Chambara. What? Which, that's what it's well, called. It's basically sword fighting. Oh, right. um, such a fucking Nintendo thing to do, to turn sword fighting into some shite Chumbara. name that sounds like you're making Chumbara. fucking marshmallows or something. <laughs> what the fuck? Chumbar. It should be, it should be, it should be called sword fight to the death. Yeah, I think it does mean something somewhere. Um, but yeah, so it's Nintendo Switch Sports. It's set in a multi, I don't know, sports facility and you've got three games from the kind of previous Wii instalments. So I mean, look, let's call a fucking spade a spade <laughs> here, right? What they've done is they've taken Wii Sports from 2007 and they've went, you know what? 
Remove the word we. <laughs> Get the word switch in there. I'm thinking 35 quid. Yeah. And put that bastard out. Right. But, I mean, they've given you tennis, bowling, and the sword play, which was on the Wii Sports Resort, if you remember that one. Mm, yes. Um, And we've also got football, volleyball, and badminton. And I believe golf has been added later at right. some point. The golf could be quite fun. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, like you say, it is what it is. It's what I was expecting it to be. Obviously, there's a, a few new cool features like bowling. They have like a version where you can put obstacles on the lane and there's mm. ramps and things like that. It just makes it a bit more challenging. We did have a family game of bowling on Saturday night. Well, I was fucking surprised you'll bring this up. I, of course, won. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You beat an invalid. Imagine being proud of that. Teamed up with the kids? No, we all played solo. Oh, yeah. We all played solo, but about halfway through, Ern, decide, Ern saw the writing on the wall that Jess was doing quite well and decided to turn it into girls versus boys. Uh, she's a really smart cookie. Uh, she is. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nathan was mid-meltdown because he was the only one that hadn't got a strike. Every shot, the wee bastard okay. was getting nine. What's it called when you get a strike? What's that? So there's a strike, then... A th- a th- three in a row. Three's, turkey's three in a row. I can't yeah. remember what a double is. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, usually get, leg. I'm usually getting at least turkeys, so... Yeah, yeah. Why stop yeah. it too? Why, do I need, why would I need to know the name of the second one? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like I suppose, like a sales numbers show, like Nintendo Switch didn't need that kind of packed in game like the Wii did, and... They have now tried mm. to obviously capitalise on the game that once was. But I think what is good, it's, it's a, it can be a new generation experience in it. Like, I loved it when I was younger. I played hours on end of Wii Sports. Mm. Um, and I think it's one of those ones, you know, if you've got family members over that aren't yeah. really into gaming, it's something you can I stick on. Good. You can have a fun game of bowling with your family yeah. and a little competitiveness. And it's good fun. And, you know, our kids have been playing at their age five and eight and... They've wanted to play it every day, pretty much, and They're so it, it's you know it's new for them, and I think that's what's going to work well with it. Yeah, I I put out a tweet about it saying I was so conflicted because in one hand I'm fucking raging that they've just rebranded Wii Sports, but at the same point it's worth it for the bowling alone. Mm. Like I've only been able to play the bowling so far because my back's been too sore, but for the bowling alone it's worth it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the bowling is fucking identical. <laughs> Other than that mode where you can put, like, obstacles up, it's uh, it's the fucking same. It's the same lane. It's the same bit of wood in the lane. But it's fucking really fun. Yeah. Like, no, really fun. You've no played Chumbara yet. I haven't, but the kids have, and there's been tears. Yeah. I suppose um, oh, what you're dear. saying is maybe not value for money if you end up throwing your Joy-Con through the telly no. because that there was a streamer that kind of went viral, 63 man. Um, he flung it, broke his, didn't mean it though. broke his telly, his don't think so. The thing is though... Maybe he didn't mean it. Well, yeah. Or maybe... Well, there's maybe, straps, maybe, not got straps. Ah, there's a strap. You maybe. do have the straps, but I wonder how many people still have the straps because... Like, depending on how old your Switch is, like, it's the kind of thing that you fucking fling in a box somewhere and you've no idea where it is. Like, we bought new Joy-Cons because we only had one working one that was yeah. motion controlled. Um, mm. So we ha- we've we got the straps, thankfully, but I don't know where our old ones are. So, <laughs> you know. At the same point, though, I'm always very suspect. See, when it's like a streamer's done it, you're like, was he due buying a new TV? Did he think 
this is a good opportunity for exposure. Yeah, like, maybe I don't, I don't know. want to watch it, but yeah. There you go, part of the problem. <laughs> I will need to watch it and find out. Give him a fucking click. That's what he's after. Don't be part of the problem, Jess. Okay, right? sorry. Don't right. give him a That's click. That's me, I'll cut, be... and cut this whole bit out, right? Because I don't want him getting any press off us either, right? Don't want him caught... Capitalising on our goodwill. <laughs> right, that's me then. I'm bowed out. That's all I've played. <laughs> what about you, Andy? Uh, I played Dead Space. Completed that on the from the 360 on Game Pass. Looks oh, it looks really good, doesn't it? It's still it's from 2008, and it's not had any remaster. No, I, I think Xbox has automatically upscaled it a little it bit. It looks though. like it because what uh, you notice with these games is they're crisp. Yeah. That's what you notice right away. So even just that veneer of crispness yeah. just makes it playable. And then I think the frame rate's been put up a wee bit. Aye. So those those two things alone are usually enough. Because even back... Wait, wait, I downloaded quite a few different games and only played them for like half an hour, an hour. Aye. Um I downloaded Fight Night Champions. Ah, oh, remember I, that? Yeah, that looks that still looks amazing, and it's yeah. a three sixty game. Yeah. All it needed was that wee sh- veneer and to up the the frame rate. That's what's so cool about that. I don't know how Xbox do it, but and it only it's strange. Like there's some games it just doesn't do it in, but for most ga- those old games, it does mm. automatically just upscale it a bit, no. and it's enough, like you say, to make it feel almost like a new game. It just shows you how long games have been looking decent mm. where you don't really need much else mm. it's like I, I say now you could concentrate on right you've got game style level where they look as good as you need yeah now you can focus on utilizing the power of these consoles to enhance the ai and uh. and make like opponents smarter mm. or just make the world more clever yeah. and more immersive stuff like that you know what yeah. I mean? um, but that's so, definitely what they should be looking at right. so I played that and now I'm playing through the second one right. I played Fight Night Champions for like an hour because mm-hmm. I had a wee it's got a, quite a good career mode I think doesn't it it's like a story aye uh, it's like an actual blockbuster type story uh, is it hard aye it's actually quite hard yeah um, what else did I play there's a wee kind of strange City Maker game called Townscaper. Mm. I put right. that on. It was, it was really weird. I took turned it off after fifteen <laughs> minutes. Um, that, that's the good thing about Game Pass that you can just know, sample I, so many of these games. Of wee games, and I thought I'll try them. <laughs> there was another one I tried. It didn't really get me. Was uh, Aragami Two? Oh yeah. I think you'd probably like it because it's the type of game you would like. Um, I I always oh, not a fan. I I, I <laughs> platinumed the first one and loved it. Right, oh the first one. Aye, yeah. it was really good, really so really the good. Ones on Game Pass. I yeah. didn't think much of it. I played it for like half an hour. That's all I've played of it so far. I I wanted to see will I play it and then will I park it aside? Will mm. I finish other things and go back to it? And I was like, nah, I wouldn't play it again. Right. Delete. Yeah. What else? I'm sure I downloaded something else. I did. But I've just been downloading wee games here and there and just seeing... I've been playing the Formula One game. Mm, right, That's aye. got a cool story. Yeah. Mode in it. And I like I like Formula One. So yeah. I find it enjoyable like, racing and that. And uh, 
I saw a wee video, I can't remember, probably TikTok, of um, a stag do, and they were all dressed up in the, like, Michelin men, like outfits and they were like I don't know where it was but they were like stopping cars and had they were doing like a pretend pit stop like in the middle of the street like in a city (laughs) pretending to like change tyres they had like a big inflatable tyre and stuff and I thought that's brilliant that's awesome until they all get arrested yeah (laughs) illegal stops half four in the big stag do they're all in the jail (laughs) that that was a great half hour lads but we've really fucked us haven't we (laughs) <laughs> uh, I've actually not played that much in the last week um, Motor Road 96 I'll have the review up for that this week It's really good It's that really, really good reason. No, the Road 96 one oh, is the, the like, Telltale one Aye. Uh, It's Aye. really, really good I've played through I think there's 10 possible chapters now But you, you technically see Pretty much all of it after 6 And it's just really cool. So each time you start, you start as a different missing child who's trying to get across the border. And each run, you are there's certain characters that you will meet each time, but you're meeting them at a different point in their journey. And so like when I played it through, I think I said this last week, when I played it through the first time, I was like, oh, that was cool. And I nearly just went, like, playing through it once is fine for me. I thought it was just playing the same thing again, but I didn't realise that when you play through it again, you're a different person than you are. You don't have a speaking role. You just choose, like, text from options, but all the other people are voiced. Okay. And so you are learning more of their story. And when you press pause, it tells you how much of each person's story. There's, like, five different sets of people, and it tells you how much of each of their story you've uncovered. So it's, it's just very telltale, but it's it's really cool. Uh, I'll have a review, a written review of that up later this week. I reinstalled FIFA 22 after... I don't think I've played it since maybe October last year. And I really enjoyed it. Like I'm, uh, There's a, quite a few people that I know that are into football, but they just don't play football games. Yeah. And so with it coming to... PlayStation Plus, with it coming to Game Pass, it's a. I wanted to just sort of dip back in because FIFA, a lot of times changes quite a lot over the year. Like, mm. see the FIFA you get at launch. Uh, it's not the FIFA no, you play in March. They do so many different. title updates that do fundamentally change it. Yeah. And I, like I do still have some issues with it, like um, some of the animations and stuff like that. And I know this is a total me problem, but one thing that's always bugged me. And I now do wonder if it's to do with FIFA, because remember we were talking about how FIFA don't let you do certain things. Mm-hmm. But it really bothers me that if you go to... All I do is career mode. So if I try to start a career mode with Celtic like I did, you can't choose your home stadium as one of the licensed stadiums. You have to choose one of the EA like generic stadiums. And all the generic stadiums look like shit. No, they look. Right. I don't like them. I really don't like them. And it's so annoying. Like, there's no reason why you can't go in and go, right, make Celtic's home stadium fucking the Etihad or. Do you know what I mean? Like, the closest to Celtic Stadium would be Old Trafford. Like, it looks very similar. It's, it's Old Trafford's slightly bigger, but it is a similar style with the three high stands, one low stand. Like, but it just doesn't let you do it. Excuse my ignorance here, but is it? Be- I'm just confused. Why can't like is Celtic Park not? In Celtic the game? Park's not in the game. Right, it's in, okay. it's in Paris, so you just have okay. to play as one of the generic stadiums. Okay. But in any other football game, you can just go into an edit mode and you can set the stadium to whatever. But in FIFA, 
it just fucking doesn't let you. There's like, and I, I, it must be something to do with copyright or something like that. Mm. But I think it might be like maybe we spoke about EA were annoyed at FIFA taking forever, not letting them do certain things and stuff yeah. like that. I wonder if that is maybe part of that. But no, I have been enjoying it and I've been recommending people check it out. I also played the Stanley Parable. And it's a game that came out first in like 2013 on PC and it won, it was something like 200 awards, like fucking best game of X amount of years and stuff like that. Like it's like a walking simulator, but it's just so cleverly done. And so it finally came to consoles. It's the Ultra Edition. And oh, thought, the Ultra. I know. Ultra Deluxe, I think it's called. Some they're, oh. they're being funny with it, like do you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's hilarious. So I stuck <laughs> it on. You can complete it in like fucking twenty minutes or something like that. Stuck oh, it on. You're this see. guy called Stanley, and you're in this office that everyone's just disappeared, and so you're going about trying to find out what's happened, and the whole thing is made by the narrator, who is amazing. Like he, when you first play the game. I was just doing what it told me. So it will say like, oh, Stanley leaves his office. So you walk out of the office and that. Hmm. He's very confused. Where are all his workmates? He goes through the door at the end of the room. So I'm like, oh no, okay, I'll fucking go through the door at the end of the room. And then you go through and it's like, there's maybe two doors and it'll be like, Stanley takes the door on the left. So I was like, oh, play your fucking game. Okay, so I took the door on the left. And I just followed it through and I finished the game in about, like I say, about half an hour. Uh, I thought, it's about, it's all right, I suppose. It was, serviceable fine all right i'll maybe dip back in because there's supposed to be different endings there was ways i could have went and i didn't go and it's when you go back in that it really comes to life like i don't want to say too much but it's so clever this narrator has something for everything so like just one example like when it came to that thing he says stanley takes the door on the left i was like i'm gonna fucking go through the door on the right and it was like as soon as i went through the door on the right sometimes stanley wasn't very good at listening and I was like, ah, I'm just going to keep going. He's like, ah, yep. And even when he's told that he's not very good at listening, he's just born idle and he just keeps going anyway. And like, it was things like that. And it seems like they almost thought of everything. Mm. And there's so many like pop culture references. There's so many, I don't know, the more I went into it and the more you play it, you're just like, this is really quite a special game. Uh, so I would recommend everyone checks that out, definitely. Like I said, I don't want to say too much about it if you haven't played it. Most people will have played it. Like, it is not a new game, but it is now on console, and it's pretty cheap as well, I think. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. And the last thing I played was an early sort of preview build of an upcoming tennis game called Match Point Tennis. comes out in July. It's pretty good it's pretty good it is a little bit janky just now but it feels like almost like the animations maybe aren't quite finished like there was some times when like if you had a shot that they weren't able to return like they would almost like hold in the position of a shot awkwardly but like i say as a preview build it's standard stuff where every tennis game triangles lob circles like a backspin x is a normal shot like squares like a slice and that's the way it is in here. But what makes it different is when someone hits a shot to you, you instantly choose which of these shots you're going to hit. And then after that, while the ball's coming, you see like a, a sort of a, almost like a shadow of the ball on their side of the court and you move it with the analog stick. 
and wherever it is, when the ball gets to you, that's where it will hit. So you're you're spending almost the whole time aiming where you want to return your shot. Mm. But obviously it is going quite fast, okay. so you don't have a massive amount of time. And it's quite hard, but it's a really cool idea. Mm. And you can pin, if you got good at it, you could completely pinpoint your shots where you want to put them. The only thing is, like I say, it is quite hard, even to the point where the AI seem to not be able to return three shots in a row. Like, I, but again, I'm playing yeah, a preview yeah, build. Yeah, What's the kind of animation, or not animation, sorry, like art style? Like, is it cartoony or is it like... No, people... they, they're going for realism, but they're not quite nailing it. It's obviously not a triple A game, but it is, I would say, double A. Like they, it's not terrible graphics, but I wouldn't say it looks like next-gen level. Okay. Uh, but it's coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Xbox, sorry, Series X, and PC as well in July. And it's looking promising. It is looking promising. It's, if you're into tennis games, like I, I would say check it out. It's 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 looking like possibly the next Virtua Tennis, mm. which people have been waiting for for years. So I'll gloss over the fact that you said next gen instead of current gen. But I know, but I know, but that, that's a getting get right. getting the bin worthy statement right. right there. I'm not going anywhere. Our listeners, I'm planted. Expect perfection, <laughs> and you're just not delivering. I'm like fucking Jerry, right? From Tom and Jerry, I'm always escaping this. Right? Mm-hmm. Next year, you'll be trying to get me in a bin. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be someone each week that comes along and makes a fucking cunt of it more than me. <laughs> because it turns out I'm not that bad. Well. Although you just used the worst swear word, you could be ostracising fans using that word. No. My, I don't mind it. My dream... My dream is that one of you get nominated for the bin before me. That's the dream. It's probably not going to happen because people seem to like you too and not me, but that's the dream. But that's the dream. Okay, let's quickly skim through this week's news. News, news. I was believing the news. We are bringing you the news with your digging team. I was First up, Embracer Group, the enormous company that's always scooping up studios and franchises, is set to close its latest big deal. The conglomerate is about to acquire several developers and IPs from Square Enix. The acquisition will include include studios Crystal Dynamics, IDOS Montreal and Square Enix Montreal. IPs such as Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Legacy of Cain, Thief and quote more than 50 back catalogue games are also part of the agreement. In a bit of a shock, the total value of the deal is a surprisingly small $300 million. Is all? Chump change? The deal is expected to close somewhere between July and September this year and it's been implied that several dormant IPs may be revisited. This, it seems there's something off with this. 300 million. 300 million dollars. I know that's a lot of money. Like, clearly, yes, it's yes. a fucking lot of money. But see, when you consider what yeah. gaming companies mm. have been going for recently, mm-hmm. like, I would have said the Tomb Raider IP was worth 300 million in today's market. Maybe. It's fucking yeah. mental. Yeah. Like, Square Enix, like, you look at Crystal Dynamics, are a fucking big studio, a good studio. I know they've had a few under whelming games but that's a snip like <laughs> in it snip 
I think it is. <laughs> that is a snip. What, what, what was it uh, Bungie went for? Three, three billion? Mm-hmm. Three billion. And they just bought three studios for 300 million. The garbage trucks are still backing up with that one. I know. Fucking, there weren't any, there any trucks left. But, I mean, it's exciting at the same time. Like, I would love to... I always loved Sleeping Dogs. And we never got a sequel to that. They wouldn't the IP to that. If they're going to bring back dormant franchises. Like, I put it up on Twitter. What would you like to see come back? And Sleeping Dogs was the one that was said most. And Deus Ex was second. And both of those have been iced, like, years ago. And I'd love more Deus of them. Deus Ex is never coming back. Well, after Mankind Divided, which was... 2015 I think mm-hmm. they said after that they'd no plans to continue it because it didn't sell particularly well oh, right. but it also wasn't marketed very well so mm. I mean I loved the I mean it, it was like a mini cyberpunk it was like a cyberpunk before cyberpunk like I loved Adam Jensen I, I want more of that uh, so if if they're willing to to put their money where their mouth is and get extra get extra games on the go then ideal it's also interesting um, that I never put this in the news because it's once again hearsay from uh, Lord Jeffrey Grubbington. But he now claims, remember a couple of weeks ago when there was talk like a huge acquisition and it just never happened? Yeah. Well, he claims that it was Sony buying Square Enix. Right. But the rumour had been that they were going to buy a Japanese studio. And so all Square Enix have done here is they've sold all their American and Canadian studios. They've still got their Japanese studios. And so there's talk that they might be offloading their Western developers to streamline themselves for a Mm. sale. So it could still be that Sony are going to buy the Japanese arm of Square Enix. And maybe that has been what the holdup is. But if I was Sony, I'd have been going 300 million. I can get fucking Tomb Raider. I can get like yeah, Legacy of Kane, I can get all these games. Like I, I can't believe that there wasn't. I mean, maybe there was more interest, but you would have thought that would have drove up the price. So strange, but I uh, they've got a good deal there. Yeah, seems like it. Okay, Seafood's planned spring update has arrived, having gone live on Tuesday. You now have access to three difficulty modes. Normal, which defaults to the game's original difficulty, and also an easy and a hard mode. There's also advanced training and the ability to change the main character's outfit. This will be welcome news to some, including Craig, who has been unable to complete the game due to its huge difficulty spike. The next update planned for summer will bring advanced scoring and gameplay modifiers. Bit rude throwing me under the bus like that. Well, it's true. I'm quite happy to engage in shite bag mode. (laughs) I thought I did quite well. I got to the fourth out of of five levels, which I thought was pretty good because the game's fucking solid. Yeah, it was painstaking watching you endure it, though. (laughs) What, on the ground, thumping the floor, going, why, I'm amazed amazed we did not lose a controller out of it, to be honest. I was close a few times. I remember at one time, like, the kids just kept me noise in the background. I was like, shut up! Do you know how much pressure I'm under here? Uh, I spoke to, I... <laughs> spoke to Chris on our Discord earlier. He's actually played it since the difficulty options oh, okay. have dropped. Uh, he was very quick to hop on once there was a fucking easy mode. No shame for that lad. But he said that it's still 
like my worry was like see seafood if they made it too easy it would be shite do you know what i mean you still want a challenge but the problem is that the normal difficulty is just too fucking hard mm. for most people so i was worried that the easy mode was just going to be basically just run about and slap folk and they go down mm. but it turns out it's not that i think it, from what he's saying unless he's really bad at it which is possible it's still a challenge but it is easier okay. and so the way it worked before was the way the aging system worked was you started at 20 when you first died you'd be tw- you'd go to 21 but then the next time you died you'd go to 23 because it was your second death so you would age two years okay and like if it was your fourth death you would age four years and as soon as you died when you were in your 70s you were dead and that was it but he says now no matter what you only age one year at a time so technically you would have like 50 lives and the combat's a bit easier. Yeah, so it's go- I think it's going to be completable now. Yeah, I'm surprised they changed the sort of, I don't know, age mechanics like that rather than just making it the yeah. combat a bit easier. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe there is an option. Like I say, I haven't had a chance to try yeah. it, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's good. I'm happy they've added an easy mode. I'm surprised they didn't block, like make it so that if you played an easy mode, you, it locked you out of the trophies or something. Like, I, I thought they would maybe have done that, but apparently they haven't. You can still, you can go and actually get the Platinum now. Mm. More on that later. Okay, next up, we have seen very little of Skull and Bones in the last five years since it was first announced. And we've just got our best look at how the game is shaping up and it's arrived via a leak tutorial video. So we'll leave a link on the website Um, podcast post for you to check it out for yourself but essentially it's a mix of Assassin's Creed Black Flag and Sea of Thieves but leaning probably more towards the latter I would say yeah it's still it just doesn't look interesting at all like I just why why does this game need to exist like nobody fucking wants it if I wanted to play to play a game like Sea of Thieves I would play wait for it Sea of Thieves. Yeah, I've tried it. It It's not my kind of thing, but if it was, I would play Sea of Thieves, not this fucking nonsense that's been in development hell since fucking the PS2. I don't know. I I just... All everybody wanted was Black Flag without the Assassins and the Templars and just a proper fucking pirate game. If they were going to do a spin-off... Black Flag was amazing. Black Flag was brilliant, aye. You come across a man of war, you're like, holy (laughs) fuck. But it was... I loved Black Flag and I loved the fact that, like, Blackbeard was in it and I loved the the pirate aspect of it. Like, how they went from that and thought, right, what people really want to be is the fucking ship. You know what I mean? Mm. What a fucking miscalculation. And just like on the pirates, but just like for anybody out there who enjoys pirates, the show Black Sails. Excellent. Fucking brilliant. Program. Really good show. Brilliant. Do you get hooked on it? <laughs> <laughs> you get one of them a show. That's fucking <laughs> terrible. That's Black Flag, uh, Black Sails was excellent though. Excellent. excellent. It's a shame it only lasted, what, four seasons? Four or five. Aye. I'm sure it's five. And that scene. With Blackbeard. I've done this to you last time, didn't I? You've not watched it all yet. Have you, are you no, I went back. I have seen it all. You've seen it all? Huh? Right. Spoiler, I'll back, though. Spoilers. So don't listen to this bit next minute if you don't want to have the show spoiled. Right. Right. So Blackbeard dies, obviously. 
but they do it in the most fucked up way. It's called keel hauling. Remember I told you about it? Aye, no, the I'm strap. trying to think back, yeah. Well, under the under a ship, you've got barnacles mm-hmm. that attach themselves, and they're like shells, like fucking diamond sh- sharp shells. Right. And what they do with this keel hauling is they get a, they tie them and they wear rope and they pull them and drag them from one side under the boat. Ah, yeah, yeah. To the other side, taut, like to the boat and he just gets ripped to shreds mm. with these uh, barnacles mm-hmm. and they do it to show that he's a tough guy. It, 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 they do it like four or five times. The scene just goes on and on. But it's not like, oh, you're like, oh come on, finish this. It's Aye. fucking riveting, you know what I mean? And you just feel uneasy watching it. And uh, it does ring a bell. Eventually, he just shoots him in the head because he's still, like, kind of like, Aye, refusing to go. Just refusing to die. Because he's a legend, basically. He's a bad guy, but obviously, like, mm-hmm. a legend. Yeah, it's a shame. I remember hearing that that show, like, part of the reason it didn't go for as long was because it was quite expensive to make yeah which is fair enough I suppose but it looks expensive mm, aye it does it looked really good it had, yeah. it had a really good aye if, if anyone hasn't checked that out I, I do recommend it yeah. definitely okay and following on from the PlayStation news that we keep bringing up um, every week assets for a number of classic games have begun popping up on the PlayStation Store as of recording, the list is as follows. Tekken 2, Mr. Driller, Worms Armageddon and Worms World Party on PS1, along with Ridge Racer 2 on PSP. And this adds to the list of the four Siphon Filter games that we discussed last week. So presumably this will be an ongoing weekly story as they continue to drizzle out almost daily. Yeah, it's just still weird. Like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, I still feel like this should be a big deal. They're talking about you're going to finally have backwards compatibility. There's going to be hundreds of games if you choose the highest tier of PlayStation Plus. But we're not telling you what the fucking games are. You would think that that would be the incentive. Like, you're going to get these specific games. The fact that they're not telling you means that they don't think that much of it. Like, Mm. I I was still thinking, oh, this is, I suppose they still get time. They still get time. This launch is in the first region in less than three weeks. Jeez, yeah. Like, it's not like they're still making the deals for these games to appear. These games are going to have to be there in fucking... It's in three weeks. Yeah. So, announce them for fuck's sake. Instead, every day there's, like, another one leaking out from fucking Reddit or Reset Era. So weird. I, I don't know. I continue to... It just... This announcement, I can't believe they've botched it so much. I can, I can believe it, but they You're shouldn't. They shouldn't have. In them. I'm dis. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then we'll just wrap up a few other bits of news that are somewhat noteworthy of this week. So FIFA and um, FIFA Twenty Two and Battlefield Twenty Forty Two are coming to EA Play and by default Xbox Game Pass very soon. If rumours are to be believed, this could be as early as tomorrow, May 5th. What's confirmed, though, is that EA's ice hockey offering, NHL, will join on May 12th. So watch out for that if you're interested. The Quarry has 186 different endings, according to the game's director, Will Biles. Yep. Fucking hell. Yep. 
and the development of Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake will now be handled by Ubisoft Montreal, the original developers. I swear down dead, by the way, right? See if there's a trophy tied to getting all 186 of those oh, endings. surely not. I will fucking riot. Surely I will not. riot, man. Because these games, a lot of the time it is, see all the endings, but not when there's 100. See, when they say 186, when they say 186, there must be some that are just really minorly different. Has to be. Yeah. Aye. Because that's yeah, fucking madness. Definitive endings. I know. It's crazy. As soon as I read that, I was it made me think back to remember when uh, the Dying Light guys were like, it takes 500 hours to complete our game. And everyone was like, well, fuck your game. And they were like, actually, it's only 20 hours. Sorry, big man. <laughs> 500 hours. They were so proud of that tweet. And as soon as they read the comments, they were like, we have Aye. gravely we misunderstood have the situation. <laughs> we have lives and other games to play. Exactly. We should spend fucking time. Um, yeah. NHL, I'll, I'll, I'll always, every year I'll bang this drum, NHL is the most fun game that EA Sports make. And it does, like, for people in this country, there's a lot of people who don't know how ice hockey works. It's really not difficult. Yeah. And I, I recommend I it. See, even if you don't know how it works, there's a great three-on-three mode that basically has no rules. All you have to do is try and score, and you can foul as much as you want, and it's just so much fun. It's something I usually do check out. Mm. I love... It it works so well with Mm. your skates being the left stick, and your... Feels natural. Aye. Really good. So, yeah, I'd I'd recommend checking that out, because a lot of people will have access to it. Yeah, that wraps up the news for this week. So, yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we had the chance this week to chat to Dominic Diamond. So, let's take a listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pure Dead Gaming Podcast. We are once again joined by Donnie this week and also our very special guest. We are delighted to have with us Dominic Diamond. Hello. Hello, greetings from Canada. Hello. So I'm going to pass over to Donnie and Craig in a minute, given I was the grand old age of two when Games Master first aired. But for anyone who does not know, Dominic grew up in Scotland where he rose to gamer stardom by presenting Channel 4's Game Master from 1992 to 1998, alongside various TV appearances on the BBC and Channel 5 and many radio shows. It was on the radio where he found critical acclaim presenting the Dominic Diamond show on XFM Scotland, winning Scottish Radio Presenter of the Year and being nominated for the Sony UK Music Radio Presenter of the Year in 2006. In 2009, Dominic decided Scotland wasn't cold enough anymore and he moved his family to Canada, where he again took to radio presenting on various radio stations, including Jack FM until 2018. Writing has always been a passion for Dominic, penning his first book, Celtic and Me, in 2011, and the recent successful Kickstarter, Games Master and Oral History. Over the last 20 years, Dominic has written many columns for the likes of The Daily Star, FHM, The Sunday Times, 90 Minutes, Smash Hits, PC Zone and Games Master magazine, where he wrote Dominic's Big Purple column. And recently, Dominic has lifted the pen again and been writing a gaming column from The Guardian, which has led to his new venture on Substack starting soon, which Dominic will tell us about. And yeah, with that said, thank you and welcome. How are you today? 
I'm good. Sorry for sniggering when you say I'm the big purple column. I can't help it. You know, it's terrible. I'm like 52 years old. I've got three kids. I'm two, like like two incredibly woke, wonderfully woke uh, daughters um, who are like in their 20s and the other one's like 17 who school me all the time and stuff. And yet I still can't help but sniggering at Dominic. That's terrible. I'm, I should have grown up by now. There's me writing for the Guardian as well these days. Shocking. It's a fact that on, on... <laughs> well, yeah, that too. But I was going to say it's a fact that on your your new venture, which we'll talk about later on Substack, is that you've gone with the same name again. So it's not as if you've changed it now. You know, you've not learned. You're still using it, which is great. <laughs> I, know. I know that's quite ridiculous, isn't it? And the thing is, I don't, I don't think I even thought for longer than like 10 seconds about what to call this new column. It just seemed obvious. Ah, little old purple column because I'm, you know, I'm older and, you know, it's, it's not big anymore. It's pathetic. It's I've got to say, I completely admire the dedication to not growing up because I'm right there with you. Good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, just to start off with, I'd I'd love to get a a sort of history on your your gaming background. Like, what first got you into gaming? What was your what's your favourite console? That sort of thing. I was very lucky that. Um... Uh, I grew up in uh, in Arbroath and one of the few places that had a, a genuine bona fide fairground, covered fairground that had an enormous arcade section in the 70s. So, you know, things like, like the original Space Invaders and Pac-Man and Gorf, Galaxians, mm. Defender, all that stuff uh, was in there. And my gran, Granny Diamond, lived just round the corner from it. And it was brilliant because she would have, I had like two brothers and a sister, and we would go and stay with her at the weekends on a rota because we, and we, we would always fight for that because she would take us out uh, for a walk with a dog and she'd always take us into um, Pleasureland, O'Brien's Pleasureland, and she'd give us some money to spend and uh, she would go and play the Penny Falls and then I would be uh-huh. in there playing the video games and it was just absolutely magical. It was this, this incredible kind of world of sound and, and flashing and lights. It, yeah. that, Oh, just brilliant. And like when, you know, when you're about seven, eight years old, it's it's absolutely magical. And then my uh, my mum transported that into our homes with a ZX Spectrum in about uh, 81, probably 82. Uh, well, no, it would have been 82 because ZX81 was 81, hence the name, duh. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, 82, 83 was the ZX Spectrum. And then that was it. I was, I was hooked after that. I loved the ZX Spectrum I, again. We had a strict rota, me and my brothers and my sister. We had the, the Spectrum was in a wee gaming cupboard. Uh, we didn't have any spare rooms and we couldn't put it in anyone's room because they'd be fighting. So we had a cupboard with like a timetable on the wall of the cupboard as to who was allowed into the gaming cupboard. I had to play the Spectrum. So, uh, so yeah, that so that that was it. That was that was how my love of gaming began. And it's interesting. I still. I, you know, in terms of favourite kind of gaming console, I was lucky through Games Master to basically yeah. get every single one. And mm. um, it's maybe a bit flash of me to say this because I know not a lot of people had them at the time, but I think probably the Neo Geo was my absolute favourite because it was enormous and <laughs> it was pure 100% arcade quality games 
you got on it, which for the nineties was was a really big deal, and and luckily I I never had to pay for any of them because they were like a hundred quid for a cart, but that was amazing. It was just it was such massive industrial sized quality console, and uh, I love the Neo Geo. I have no idea what happened to it, and I wish I'd kept it because as opposed to like Xbox game pads today, the Neo Geo would probably still work after all those years, whereas so much <laughs> modern stuff. It just breaks after like six months. Oh, yep. yep. Definitely. That's, that's, yeah. a bone of, that's a bone of contention with me as well with controllers. You're right there, Dom, to be honest with you. I'm in full agreement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your, Donnie, yours went, uh, your DualSense controller went about, what, a week after it's... Uh... Yeah, 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 about a month after the warranty ran out, yeah, and Sony would yeah. cover it. I'm like, really? It's 13 months old and you're not going to cover it? Nope. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, I, do you know what? I, yeah, I had, which one was it? Was it the, was it the PlayStation or was it one of the places I had, PlayStations I had was the same thing. It was literally just after the warranty, the machine went kaput. But generally, the, the PlayStation game pads are so much better than Xbox. It's that I've never had yeah. one PlayStation game pad, uh, break on me. But I would regularly, back when I was playing FIFA seriously, I'd go through two or three Xbox One game pads like a season easily easily wow throwing them off the wall or uh, probably yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah when some little shite was dabbing me with a goal celebration probably yeah there's nothing worse it's than when someone good. scores yeah. and then you find they, they start talking mm. once they've scored and you realize what age they are no. mm-hmm. Exactly. And then the abuse starts as well isn't it you know that's that's Terrible. the thing yeah. you know you got some that's little horrible. shit telling you you shagged your mum yeah I know it's horrible horrible <laughs> Uh, Dom, you mentioned Games Master then, obviously. Um, so, 1992, when Games Master is being pitched, when, so, at what point was your involvement in it? When were you introduced to it? And obviously, with it being 1992, where, you know, video games at that time is not small, but it's, it's nothing like it was, you know, even now, even 10 years, 20 years later. Did you think it would work? Did you think it would be successful? Or kind of, what, was your, what was your sort of initial thoughts? didn't really think uh, anything other than oh my fucking god I'm going to be on telly um really <laughs> so it was just it was, that was what was the most exciting thing about me because I got it um uh I got Games Master having been rejected by the word on channel mm-hmm. four they, they had a massive nationwide search for a presenter they had like 12,000 people applying and I got down to the last wow. 15 or something. And then I didn't get that job and I was gutted because I really wow. loved that show. And I was really into my music as well as games at the time. And I was like, oh, damn. And I was working, I was I was a stand-up, well, I just finished university and I was dabbling around with stand-up. And I was gutted to not get the show. And then from nowhere, they phoned up about this other show, Games Master, because they said, oh, we, you know, we've heard good things about you and your audition for the word. And so I came in relatively late uh, in the process. So I didn't even really have time to think, is this going to work? Is this not? It was just like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. What, you know, the whole idea of I'd always kind of wanted to to do telly and radio. But like, a, you know, a guy like me from a wee kind of council estate and our growth didn't really happen so you kind of weren't sure if it was one of those daft dreams that were never going to come true and and luckily it it did when i was like 22 yeah. so it was very mad. lucky absolutely mad. yeah wow god that's i to think you were so close to word so who who got the position on the word who presented that then when you didn't get it 80 puckrick 
She was very oh, good. Okay. She was oh, very okay. good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, fair enough. Um, oh, and I, I still had downgrade, yeah. <laughs> um, I read recently that you said that you didn't enjoy, or look, I think it's maybe my looking back on reflection, you didn't kind of enjoy season one and season two. It wasn't until sort of four and five, you, you, I think you said that you didn't like your own performance. What was the reason for that? I think I wasn't myself at all in season one and season two. And it's it's been interesting when I revisit the whole thing for the Games Master of the Oral History. Um, and I went back and, for I mean, it was a, probably the first time I'd watched most of the episodes because I hate... I hate watching myself on telly. I hate listening to myself back. I'm yeah. one of those kind of people. So... I was I was pretty disappointed with being series one oh. and series two. My, my series one, my voice is, is bizarrely high uh, for a start. It's um, it's a bit squeaky, and I'm a little bit nice and smiley. And I think actually, series one, I'm basically playing I'm playing a part. I'm basically playing the part of a guy called Cameron McAllister, who was the director. And I think it was right. kind of him that I was more kind of. Kind of being like um, series two, I, I can't stand uh, because of what I was forced to wear. I know that might sound like kind of such a, a, a kind of you know a superficial thing, but <laughs> just to have the to have the biggest TV show on well, you know, one of the biggest TV shows on Channel Four at the time, yeah. and and you're you know the face of it, and you think you look like an absolute twat. That's really yeah. that's quite upsetting. It really yeah. is, you know. And it wasn't what I looked like at all. I mean, I was like a jeans and indie band T-shirt wearing guy, and so uh, I was really, really unhappy uh, during the Ooh. filming of that. And it wasn't until you know I came back for series four, yeah. um, you know, after they, you know had the, the not so good success of season three and I came back <laughs> and my power was unconfined and I yes. basically was in charge of everything from that point on so nobody could tell me what to do at all really? so that's why I enjoyed it a lot more I think it definitely okay. did it definitely did feel like in season four and five like it, it completely hit its stride I thought like I've been re-watching some of the episodes recently and like it really does feel so. I mean, I, I like all of it. To be fair, I think you're maybe being critical of yourself. I, I I can understand that, but like, I watching it back, I do enjoy it all. But I do feel like season four, five, like it does feel like a, an extra level of authenticity. I would almost say. Um, yeah. And and I yeah. feel like it's almost it's. It might sound strange because some people would think it's like a, a show of its time, but I think it's even better now watching it back with hindsight. Like, I've enjoyed it even more going back years later. Probably because you understand more of the knob gags. Now. <laughs> 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 that's probably why. It's like, oh my God, that's what that meant. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No, I, I think I think you're right as well. I think that um, it, you know, it, it, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. It was still like it was a great show, and a lot of other people did amazing work on it in series one and series two. You know, both series looked fantastic. They were lit fantastic. Yes. We had great guests. Um, the yeah. uh, I mean, Patrick Moore was phenomenal right yeah. out of the gate. He was absolutely brilliant from day one. Um, but what? It, but they were still very much a kind of constructed TV show. And I think what happened from series four onwards was it was a bunch of mates uh, having a laugh with the thing that they found 
the most fun at the time, which was video games. And we all were really, really good friends. The um, the producer and director that came on for Series 4 on was Johnny Finch and Steve Wright and our yeah. senior researcher, Richard Wilcox. We became best friends. And then with, you know, the likes of, you know, when Kirk and Rick Henderson and Derek, we were all, apart from Dave Perry, basically, we were all, <laughs> we were all, best, we were all best friends. <laughs> oh, I, I've got a note here, right? And, and 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 I put a question mark, and I wrote Dave Perry question mark. And before you came, I said, "Are we going to talk about it or not?" And you've mentioned it, you know. And I thought, "Will we or will we not mention Dave Perry?" You know, it's been all these years later. I thought he's probably sick of talking about Dave Perry now, you know. Well, I can't. I mean, I am, but I, you can't. I mean, he's he's a massive star of the show. He's responsible yeah. for the the greatest moment of it. <laughs> and um, you know, yeah. so and and also, um, I feel you know. I mean, I feel terrible about some of the things I've said about Dave uh, over the years. I really do. I've said some terrible things, and I feel really bad looking back at those shows and seeing me, you know, like taking the piss out of him behind his back. That's not. I mean, that's not great, mm, yeah, yeah. really. Okay. Um, but at the same time, he kind of did ask for it a lot because, <laughs> he he, he, you know, he um we. We were assured that as as this as more and more series went out, we took everything less and less seriously, and that was the whole point. Yeah. We ripped the piss out of everything, and mm-hmm. it's ironic that a, a show that was about video games, we ripped the piss out of the video game industry, we ripped the piss out mm-hmm. of individual games, we ripped the piss out of Americans, out of contestants, out of celebrities, out of each other, and there was only one person. One person did that, and it was Dave. He just took the whole thing really seriously. Yeah. And and I appreciate that, you know, he, he went off in that direction, and he had a brand, and that whole Games Animal character. And But it just seemed mm-hmm. that was the worst thing you could do on Games Master, was take yourself so seriously. Yeah. And and he wasn't like that at the beginning. I mean, Series 1, Series 2, this is what's amazing, having written the book and going back through old photographs there's so many photographs from series two of dave perry and i like arms around each other smiling away. we were really really good friends and he you know he was a played a massive part in the success of the show but again yeah. just you know took himself a bit too seriously and obviously by the time we came to series six it was yeah. it became uh irreparable and and headed into a, a complete meltdown and to be fair to Dave, he has contributed to Games Master the oral history and yeah. in a way that he, you know, he let's just say, I'm not saying he's been economical with the truth in the past about what really happened, but it's mm-hmm. the first time he's been honest, basically, yeah. in this book. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it great. And I'm very grateful. Another thing I'll say about Dave is that we, I don't think we could have written the book without Dave's contribution and bearing in mind what happened to him and the kind of, you know, the, the, the humiliation and the stigma mm-hmm. that he's had to carry as a result of that, he could have turned around and said to us, oh, really, you want me to contribute? Either A, fuck off, or B, mm-hmm. I'll do it for £5,000. And he, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Turned down, he turned down money. He was offered money and he wow. said, no, he said, I don't want any money. He said, okay. I, I want to be a part of it because I, I really cared about the show. And uh, and that's it. I don't want any money. And I thought, fuck, fair play, Dave. Actually, fair play, fair play. yeah. That's yeah, fair play. Have, have you guys spoken? No. No, we, we oh, haven't. I haven't oh. said one word to him or actually seen him since that day on the set. Since I basically said, and on that bombshell, bombshell. at the end of the Mario <laughs> Challenge show, Dave uh, walked <laughs> off set. And and actually, I I I 
said a couple of other sentences in his direction as he walked off, which are detailed in the book, um, which weren't terribly nice of me. And uh, and that was it. And I haven't uh, seen him since. And I was a kind of, I was slightly disappointed that he didn't sell that top level uh, Kickstarter reward with the book, which was going to be me going down to Dave's tattoo shop, um, burying the hatchet. We were going to commentate on a video game together again, and, and Dave was going to be allowed to give me a tattoo. Uh, but I think we were charging <laughs> like £3,000 or something for that. So it was quite oh, a lot of money. Okay. Uh, and I was also a little bit worried. I had to have a, 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 I wrote up a little contract with a publisher about it, and I said that the tattoo had to be somewhere I could see. Because what I didn't want was to find out the next day David tattooed a swastika on my back or something. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, to be fair, so, you know, I've keeping got in line with the show, we probably would have been a giant dick. He would have probably tattooed and not a swastika. It probably would have been, yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, like, I, I don't know, watching that bit back, like, yeah, I, I actually watched it back yesterday, and I just instantly thought to myself, that's your line. Like, that's the line that's been crossed. That, it just seemed so innocuous. Yeah. And, like, yeah. why would you not just take it in your stride? And, like, I, I thought it was interesting what you said about, like, uh, taking the piss out of basically everything. Uh, it's actually an episode I watched yesterday, and I don't know if you'll remember this, but it was the 101 Love Letters CD-ROM. <laughs> and honest to God, I, I knew it was real, but I still had to look it up just to confirm in my head that it was real because it was just the most 90s thing ever. You'd end up in a yeah. register if you'd sent one of those love letters to somebody. Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's interesting because we were going to, at one point, um, we were going to do a live theatrical thing when uh, to do with the launch of the book over in the UK. I was gonna, we were gonna hire a theatre and get everyone back together for like a big Q and A thing, like one of these kind of comic panels you see at San Diego Comic Con, and mm. and that would have. And what I loved about that is that that I would have really looked forward to to Dave being part of that because it would have mm. been great to have me, Dave, and and Rick and Kirk and uh, and there. Although nobody knows where. Dave Derek Lynch is these days. He's completely disappeared. And um, so, uh, but we, we, we didn't, we couldn't do that because of COVID. I hope at some point we do actually, I would really like to do that to get us yeah. all together um, and, uh, and talk through that stuff live. It'd be fun, eh? It'd be fun. Yeah, definitely. I yeah, think so as well. Yeah. And the thing is, people would people would definitely flock to see it. There's no question of that. I mean, you only have to. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about the the, uh, the the Kickstarter book in a minute. But you know, the fact that that sold out in one day just shows yeah. what people think about you as well. But and that show. Um, so I just, yeah, I think that's that's a testament to you and the production team as well. Yeah, definitely. yeah. I was, I, I was. Um, it's 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 weird. It's it's kind of realize with every passing year more and more what the show meant to people uh, it's quite yeah. rare to have a show last i mean that long that many series in television anyway and for people to remember it 30 years after is is quite incredible and they what really surprised me was when we launched it was even though you know like you say we we got the kickstarter funding on day 1 i spent an entire month just replying to dms from people and there were so many people that said to me oh you know i was really unhappy at school 
I had a shit childhood. My mum and dad would row all the time. I had no friends. I was poor. I couldn't afford it. And I had Games Master. And I had this show. And I watched it and I felt like I was part of a world and I was part of a community. And then I would see someone at school and they'd mention it. And all of a sudden, you know, we had something to bond with. And, you know, this was before the time when geeks were cool, you know, back then geeks were still <laughs> battered in the playground. So it really made the amount of times that, that um, people said to me, I was bullied as a kid, but I had this show that made me feel I was part of something. And that's incredible to to do that mm -hmm. for, for people was just absolutely fantastic. And I didn't realize at the time, cause I was too busy just, you know, partying and hanging out with celebrity <laughs> birds and footballers at the time. So I had, no, I had no kind of idea that this was happening on this great emotional level to people. Yeah. So that's been lovely to find out that it made a difference. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was, it was pop culture. It just was like, mm. it's like, it's one of the things certainly in being from Scotland, being in the UK that you think of when you think of the nineties, like it really is. Yeah. And it's interesting that this, the Scottish angle is interesting as well because I think, and again, a couple of people have said this specifically, people from Scotland was they've said, you were the first person that we saw on TV with yeah. a proper Scottish accent. And there was always a couple of newscasters, like your Sandy Galls and that, but they never sounded Scottish. And even, I think Nicky Campbell was probably the first one I remember, but he had that kind of posh Edinburgh public schoolboy accent. He was Scottish, <laughs> but it was a very posh kind of Scottish thing. Mm -hmm. I was the first person that, that kind of had the jet. And again, that's not anything I was really aware of at the time, because I just thought, I just, you know, I didn't realise what I sounded like, because it's just the way I sound in my ears. Yeah, um, yeah. Although I do... I I do have to say about, in case it sounds like this is in any way a diss against Nicky Campbell, I have to say that uh, I, 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 I saw Nicky Campbell a lot when I, we both used to work for uh, BBC Radio 5 Live. And we had the same agent at some point, so I spent a lot of time with Nicky. And he's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. There's one story that just, one thing that happened, and I love Nicky forever with, uh, for this, that we went out one night. And what was it? Oh, what was it? Quaglino's was the name. It was a really trendy bar restaurant in London. And we went out there and there was a queue round the block, round the block to get in. And I'm like, I was never one of those guys who tried to kind of get in through being a celebrity. But Nick, and I went to him, Nicky's like, no, no, we're not queuing here. Come on, Dominic, come with me. And uh, and we went to the front of the queue and the bouncer looked up at Nicky and said, uh, no, sir, there's a, there's a queue. And Nicky said, don't you know who I was? <laughs> <laughs> what a brilliant line. <laughs> and the guy like I said, he looked at me, he was like, oh. I can wheel a fortune. And he's like... <laughs> Wow. And, uh, and he let us in. I thought that was class by Nikki. That really was. That was a great line. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> you know who I was. <laughs> uh, I know it's, you know, when you, when you say about obviously people that have said to you that what they remember or, or the, the good feelings they had watching the show, and, and, you know, and Craig said this as well when we were kind of watching episodes back, and, and I, I've dipped in over the last couple of years because now obviously all the episodes are on YouTube, albeit in horrendous yeah. quality, but it's amazing. The jokes, always the joke. That's the thing you, you don't you don't remember at the time. You don't realize we're all too young to remember them or to understand them. Like you said, the amount of dick jokes there was and things. And I think to myself back in those nineties, you know, there was the likes of yourselves, the Games Master, and there you had Chris Evans on TGI Friday, very very similar. And I think that's maybe a testament to Channel Four that probably Games Master probably wouldn't have worked on any other network. No, you're you're absolutely correct, Donny. You're absolutely correct, and I think that. 
Um, uh, the, yeah, us TGI Friday, the Big Breakfast was another great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, Euro Trash, Channel Four Euro was trash. Uh, yes. that period yes. was like um, was more progressive and adventurous than any other TV channel has has ever been in Britain. Yeah, and uh, and it was incredible to be part of that. Then it was this amazing wave. I mean, uh, and it's 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 funny you mentioned Chris Evans, and he was really influential on me uh, with Games Master and it was during Series 2 and we had the, uh, there was the official comic relief game, Sleepwalker, that Vic Reeves came on and played, which was just another incredible moment for me. That was just, like, meet him was was amazing. Yeah. And I, I filmed an extra piece uh, at, uh, for the Big Breakfast at HMV in London with Chris and this was at a time, right, where I'm, you know, I didn't have much control over the show, you know, I was, I was writing my stuff but, you know, I was wearing this outfit, I, you know, I, I, I didn't like to wear and everything. I saw Chris Evans that day and he didn't just present, he did everything. He's telling the cameras where to set up, he's ordering the shots, he do, so he's directing and yeah. producing and presenting. He was just an absolute machine. He knew every level of television, not just the presenting. He's, he was like the equivalent of one of these footballers who can ping a 50-yard pass that no mm-hmm. one else can see. And I was like, that's what I'm going to be like. And I think that's why when it came back to games, not just Games Master and Series 4, but everything I've ever done in my career since, I've had to have absolute control because I saw that's why Chris Evans has done so much brilliant stuff because he's been in charge and he's not let, you know, some producer or some boss tell him, no, yeah. you can't do that, you know. So was that, with, with you not kind of having the control that you saw him having, was was that kind of part of the reason why you weren't in season three? Because I'd heard sort of conflicting stories. I heard also a story about McDonald's advertising, and then I then heard someone say that, actually, because your stock had risen over the last two years, you were just getting better offers. So I wasn't kind of sure... Uh- it was, uh, do you know what? It was a mix of a couple of things. It was, uh, I had this great agent at the time, uh, Tony Fox, the guy who, who represented Nikki as well. And he was, he was phenomenal. And he was just, he just came up with 101 ways for me to cash in on Games Master. <laughs> I must have opened 50 million Virgin Game Centers across the UK. There was also, there was a branch of, um, maybe you guys are too young to remember, Solid Gold Game Centers. There was a lot of them in Scotland. There were games, first one of the first games exchange places. And I must have opened about 50 of them. And, wow. and basically, Basically, there was a lot of things that uh, Tony would run through Channel 4 and they would say, no, he can't do this because we've arranged the deal with someone else. So that was pissing me off. And Tony was like, well, listen, if you're going to stop him doing stuff, you have to pay him like proper money. So that was going on. And then the final straw was... Yeah, and we're also being sponsored by McDonald's. And I'm like, well, I'm, I don't eat McDonald's. I'm fundamentally opposed to them politically because of, of what they do uh, as a company. And they're like, well, you know, tough. And I was like, well, no, fucking tough you. That's it. And so so that was it. <laughs> and I, ironically, right, and I do have to say this now. That, so so that lasted for a long time because uh, my, my little brother, bless him, Michael, he was a, quite a, 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 a hardcore mental teenage anti-McDonald's campaigner. He would make his own little leaflets when he was like 12 and leave them outside McDonald's places. <laughs> it was fantastic. He was so militant. So, um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so it lasted a lot. It wasn't until I moved to Canada and uh, I was in Nova Scotia. So this was about 2010, I think it was. And 
I lived in a, a wee place called Mahone Bay on the south shore of Nova Scotia. I had to drive for an hour up to Halifax to do a radio show, the capital of the province. And I was coming back and I had to use the internet um, like really urgently for something. And this is before you couldn't get the internet on your phones and everything. So I looked around and I remembered that they'd had a news article about how McDonald's in this shopping centre was the first place to have free Wi-Fi. So I went in there and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go in and use the Wi-Fi. And I walked in and the smell, I was like, oh, fuck. And I was <laughs> right up getting a Big Mac and fries. And it was the best thing I ever had in my life. It was like, oh, my God, where have you been? <laughs> I hope you took that a picture of into like, your brother. And my brother's getting... a dick. <laughs> and so I've been getting fired right at McDonald's ever since. It's brilliant. I love wow. it. Excellent. <laughs> I am. Um, I actually watched. I, I don't know. I think, Craig, did you say you watched an episode from season three as well recently? And you know, it was funny because Dexter Fletcher, he wasn't that bad. He just no, he, he was wasn't. Okay. He wasn't a presenter though, was he? He was, he was just reading lines. I felt and like you. You could tell that you wrote your lines and you were presenting them. I just. I, I, I didn't think he was that bad, but. Yeah, he, no, he does I, get a bit of bad press. He wasn't bad. I think just like when we when I back, I remember back watching season one and two, and like I don't know, it felt like you were one of us, and that's maybe the Scottish angle, but I don't know. I felt like yeah, you were one of us. There was one of us on the TV, and mm-hmm. that, that was missing in season three. Yeah, I, th- I think it was difficult, especially for Scottish people, because he was as opposite being Scottish as you could possibly yeah. get, you know, and uh, I know it's as interesting with the Games Master reboot, they went with someone Scottish, so at least they learned one thing from that, it's a pity they didn't learn anything else, but anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you both say that about about Dexter, guys, because um, this is what's one of the most incredible things about the book is how many people write about working with Dexter Fletcher and say what a fantastic guy he was to work with. What a consummate professional. He was a really good guy. And the problem was, and this is, again, the first time this has ever really come out is in the book, what a total shit show it was behind the scenes. Because it wasn't just me that left um, at the end of season two. The original producer, Adam Wood, he left. The director, Cameron McAllister, he left. So there was a whole load of new people who were just too inexperienced and too young to do it properly. And it literally was falling around about their arses. And Dexter was the guy who had to still go on there when the camera was rolling and just get through it somehow. When literally pieces of set were falling down behind them. And you know, and and they hadn't set up guests. But anyway, when people read the book, you would not believe what a disaster it was. So I have so much sympathy for Dexter, because you're right, he did do he did a phenomenal job, and he was on a hiding to nothing because it's yeah. one of these things that when when people are marked so closely to a TV show, it doesn't matter who takes over, it, it doesn't matter how good they are, if they're not that person, then that you know that's it. A lot of times they, they don't have a chance. We're listen, we're like that, we're like that with all our TV shows. We're like we're like that with our radio shows. If somebody leaves a radio station, we hate the new guy that takes over the yeah, radio yeah, show. Yeah. That's just, that's just yeah. what we're like. So. Yep. Uh, and what was great was like, so so everybody sp- spoke very fondly of Dexter. And I really wanted Dexter to contribute to the book. But I know mm-hmm. he does not like talking about Games Master because it really no. fucked him up. It really affected him how, how badly mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that, that he, he went down. So we tried and we tried and we tried. Just couldn't get him, couldn't get through to him at all. The editor kept trying. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, 
Never mind. But, but then because the book got delayed because the global supply chain problems with paper stock yeah. because of COVID or something. And then, lo and behold, the editor finally got Dexter. And I wrote a note to him, actually, and I, and I said, listen, Dexter, we're trying to get you. I just want to say, just so you know, there's so much goodwill towards you in this book. And I said, as mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned, Dexter, you are a massive part of the Games Master family. You're hugely integral to it. And I think this is a great chance to, to kind of just to rewrite your place in Games Master's history. And by the way, I know you don't have to because you're a massive fucking Hollywood director now. You probably don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so he did. So he has contributed to the book and I couldn't be happier. I'm oh, so pleased that he has. So, you know, so I think that's great that, that people will, you know, if people who were still have negative thoughts towards them, I think this will completely change the way that they feel about Dexter. Oh, good. No, yeah. that's, that's really nice to hear, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. That's great. Um, and I know you've probably been asked this hundreds, thousands of times, but do you have a standout favourite guest? Um, <laughs> I, should I should probably say, have to say Robbie Williams because he wrote the foreword to the book. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think there's there's kind of different categories. There's there's guests that um, I always loved having comedians on because mm -hmm. you know I was a I was a I consider myself a failed stand up myself. So I was <laughs> I, you know have so much admiration for them. So you know when we had the likes of you know Frank Skinner and Josie Lawrence and Tony Slattery, he was oh man he was brilliant. Um, and Vic Reeves. So so I always loved having them on. Um, I would have to say either Robbie or Zoe Ball. They were the two people who we wanted to approach when it came to writing the foreword for the book because we wanted we wanted probably two people who were massive in the nineties and were massive now and were on the show. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that uh, I loved Zoe because she completely out knob gagged me on the show. <laughs> and, and, that and, takes and, some and, doing. And, and exactly, and she was brilliant. But see, I, I knew Zoe. I'd, I'd uh, um. As, as well, funny enough, as well as failing to uh, to get to be presenter of the word, I also failed twice to become presenter on the Big Breakfast. And one of those times, I auditioned oh. with Zoe, and so uh, so I knew Zoe, and, and I, I knew she had a great sense of humour. And and part of writing the book has been me having to uh, acknowledge the um, the tone of the show, which obviously in these new, you know, woke times, and I, I'm not one of these guys who uses woke <laughs> as an insult. I, I, I'm not, because, you know, my daughters will kick my arse. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that a lot of people would look at that stuff and say, oh, hang on a sec, that's sexist or whatever. Uh, but what people yeah. don't know is that uh, in terms of like of sexist comedy, racist comedy, any kind of ist comedy, there has to be a target and there has to be a power thing. And the person who's making the joke has to consider themselves or put themselves in a position more powerful than the person that they're joking down on. And that was never the case with Games Master. Every single mm -hmm. female guest, male guest, whatever, I would, I would talk to them before and I'd say, now listen, in case you don't, this is what the show's like, right? There's a lot of, you know, knob gags and anywhere and everything like that. If you're in any way uncomfortable, I won't do it. And, and I remember Zoe, when I said this to Zoe, Zoe just looked at me and she's like, fucking bring it on. And, um, <laughs> so, um, so I thought, I thought she was, she was brilliant. Um, but, but Robbie, because um, that was, I think it was such a massive coup for us to get, take that on because they were yes, just, that was yeah. when I realised that we were a proper mainstream success was, was they were the hottest band in Britain at the yeah, time. Yeah. And they said yes, and and they were all you know they were all nice guys, but Robbie was 
a proper gamer and he was mm-hmm. so pleased when he won that golden joystick and he really fucking tried really hard so i thought he was he was great and also because i kept and we've got these stories in the book i kept bumping into robbie williams throughout the 90s in the most random situations and and they always led to hilarious stories there's one time in in the, in the after party after the first tea in the park and there's a story about me and Robbie and Noel Gallagher. And there's another one where I bumped into him in King's Cross Station in London when I was with a police sergeant girlfriend of mine from Liverpool. So I felt that I kind of, I feel this kind of closeness to Robbie. And so, and, and also we, it was incredible of him to write the foreword because you know, I've you know I've been here for years. It's not like I'm you know, it's not like I've kept in touch with Robbie and I'm phoning him up every couple of weeks. All right, yeah, how are you, yeah, pal? Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's yeah. not like we're on the same WhatsApp group. So no. I um I, I wrote a letter to uh, to be sent to him via his agent. I just basically said, hey Robbie, uh, I don't know if you remember me, Dominic Diamond. I was fucking huge in the nineties, and um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you were you were on my show, Games Master. We've done this book about it. I remember that you know. You you know you you seemed really happy to win it, and so if you could write a forward, that would be fantastic. Two days later, I woke up out here in Calgary, and there's a there's an email from it says uh, sender Rob W, and I click on it, and it's like. Dominic fucking Diamond. We both survived the 90s. That's fantastic. I'm living down in LA now. I've kicked the booze, um, but I've really got into gardening. Anyway, here's the foreword. And he'd written it already. And it was brilliant. Already? It was just wow. it's absolutely fantastic. And he genuinely says that the Gaze Master Golden Joystick is the only award that he has on his mantelpiece. He literally says, fuck the MTV awards. <laughs> um, and uh, so that was really lovely of him. And we... Um, and we spent about, and it's funny because I, I, got, I got really into gardening when I was in Nova Scotia. I had a small farm. And uh, so, so I was like, oh, listen, if, if you're really serious about gardening, Robbie, you've got to get the manure right. So we spent about uh, a week exchanging tips about manure no between Calgary way. and Los Angeles, me and Robbie. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's a very long way of saying uh, Robbie Williams was my favourite guest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing you and Robbie Williams talking about gardening. Of all the things you could have spoke about, I know. gardening. That would be some TV show, eh? They wouldn't see that one coming. Holy no. shit, the Beach Grove I Garden am. with Robbie uh, Williams and Dominic Diamond. Uh, if you've not pitched that, you're missing a trick. <laughs> <laughs> Four word though, no dick jokes. Ah, oh, well, we're out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, not happening. <laughs> How could there not be dick jokes if Robbie Williams and I were doing a gardening show? We'd have one big carrot and two wee potatoes on either side of it. There'd be jokes <laughs> about marrows and everything like that all yeah. the time. Yeah. Bushes. Look at this bush, Robbie. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Can you, can just, you give me some of your seed, Robbie? Yeah. <laughs> <if you> <laughs> I'm just now picturing you walking out, no clothes on, with a leaf covering your balls. That's going to be the next <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, that's the opening shot, isn't it? Me and Robbie both yeah, doing that, that set up like Adam and Eve. <gasps> <laughs> Adam and Steve, I suppose it would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so see, kind of when you got into seasons sort of four, five, and six, then did you? Did, was there any point that you then thought then how big this was, or is it, or is it in reflection now, like twenty years later, you realised, you know? Because I sometimes feel like Games Master was maybe a bit before its time because. You know, 1998, 99, we're coming into the end of Games Master and then the sort of the real start of the PlayStation era where probably Games Master, if it started then, could have potentially been 
even bigger almost. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think it, the, it was more that what we missed out on was the boom in the internet. Yes. And I think yes. if we had stayed around and ridden the wave of that, we would. I think we'd be a global brand. Yes, really do, yes. and and it's it's not something that has escaped our notice. It's my the producer Johnny Finch of series four to seven, and and we're very close friends. We talk all the time, and not many times go by when we're like, "Have you seen this fucking guy PewDiePie? He's shit, and he's got millions of people watching him. Yeah. Fucking hell! Why didn't we? Why did we take off the air? Why didn't we just keep going and going and going? We'd have been millionaires. Yeah. I know. So, uh, so you know, so yeah. that that's a. That that's a shame. But then by the same I don't know, by the same token, I, I actually I, I realized um I realized how big the show was when back during the series two when we did Games Master Live at the Birmingham NEC and and that was that really freaked me out. I've not not been comfortable with um recognized at all. I uh, I don't I don't like the way I look. Um and uh it's kind of got worse over the years because of the uh, football team that I support, and mm. uh, you know, fifty thousand five tweets about. Obviously, that fat bastard Dominic Diamond these days. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I've actually had one whole stand at Ibrox chanting "You fat bastard" to me. Actually, that was oh, wow. interesting, and uh, that was I just conducted them, so that was all right. But um, oh, yeah. so I'm surprised I they can hold that tune. The thing is, I was I was really freaked out because. There's just so many people um like in that one place and and previously my only kind of experience of live stuff was doing stand-up comedy in pubs there'd be like 50 people and there was just thousands mm -hmm. of people as i looked out from that stage and then when i had to leave the stage i couldn't walk anywhere walk across you know to get out to dress and without you know being stopped by people and uh and that really freaked me out and actually a lot of the uh a lot of the book's interesting because the editor jack templeton is a really smart guy and when when I started writing it, he kept uh, he kept returning bits I wrote to me, saying, um, "Nah, nah, we need to do this." Stuff. And I'm like, "But I've got, I've got so many knob gags in here; they're brilliant." And he's like, <laughs> "No," but he said, "You don't understand, Dominic." He said, "As a fan of the show, he said, I want this to be the definitive story about what was happening behind the scenes. So I want to know what was it like to to be as young as you to go from being a complete unknown to doing this massive show as the figurehead of this enormous industry." And that's what I realised at Games Master Live, and it freaked me out. And and I didn't handle it very well. And and that's how I started drinking heavily and doing drugs, uh, to cope with with that. I know it's a kind of horrible coping with pressure of fame mm -hmm. cliche, but it's yeah. true. Yeah. And uh, so I think I think if it had carried on and it had got bigger because of the internet, I think I would definitely be dead. <laughs> Totally for, that for, for that reason, then we're we're maybe glad it took a it took a back seat. Ah, almost glad it ended now, you know. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> life's on the line, stuff here. Right. <laughs> Whose decision was it to end when it did? Then, what was the reason? Uh, you know? We we actually we, we ended it twice, which is which is really weird because there's there's. Lots of things that I'm proud of uh, with Games Master. I'm, I'm proud, you know, that we got seven series. I think we're one of the few shows. You know, they have that thing about when shows jump the shark, jump the shark um, yeah. and they'll they'll do something and change cast or something, and it's never the same again. I think Games yeah. Master is the only series that jumped the shark and then jumped it back <laughs> after <laughs> series three. So, <laughs> and also we were, we were never cancelled. And we quit twice. So at the end of series six, and you could tell that the whole final show at series six was I I what I was going off to do 
uh, sports stuff. I did a lot of sports stuff at BBC Radio 5 Live and Channel 5 was just starting and I was uh, doing a late night sports show with them and a Saturday morning sports mm-hmm. show. So I was like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm leaving video games and I'm going to go into sport. And so uh, that was it. Season 6 was the last and that's how, again, one of the crazy things that we that we did which just other shows don't do was that last show of series six is me saying that um channel four have said they're going to take us off the air if we say any more offensive things and we have this offense ometer running up throughout the whole show <laughs> and it actually ends with me saying that, um you know uh, oh no, that's it. We've 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 you know topped the offense on, or that means that's it. We're not coming back. And I have to say, I don't give a. F- and that's how it finishes. And this is a kids' show. This is a yeah. fucking kids' show, ostensibly. That ends with the presenter going, "I don't give a fuck." Now, with all due respect to Dick and Dom and their bogies, this is next level shit. That we're doing here. So, so yeah, so we so that was it, and I went off to do Channel Five stuff, and everybody else went off to different things, and and I know it sounds like this couldn't possibly happen, but the producers of the show got a call one day, the boss uh, Jane Hewland, saying, "Where's the publicity photographs for this series of Games Master?" And she said, "I don't know what you mean." She's like, "Well, it's, you know, it's it's in the schedules for September. It's coming back, whatever." Jane's like, well, no, it's not. We told you that was it. And they were like, what? <laughs> and Channel 4 <laughs> forgot to cancel the show. So wow. it's, it's the God's honest truth. Now, luckily, <laughs> at that time, I had already got so pissed off working for Channel 5. Um, <laughs> that Because uh, this late night sports show I was doing was called Live and Dangerous. And I remember going into a meeting with the head of Channel 5 Sport, who was like, uh, told me, that I was being too dangerous. And I was like, can you can you hear what you're saying here? It's like, <laughs> I didn't call the show that. So I, I was getting a bit annoyed. And then all of a sudden I got this call from Johnny French, the producer. He says, you're not going to fucking believe this. And I'm like, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> quit, quit Channel 5. And then we, we basically managed to, to get that series of Games Master together in like about six weeks, the whole thing. Wow. And it was quite amazing that we, I know some people think that Season seven, I think a lot of people think we peaked on season six and season seven might be a bit mm-hmm. self-indulgent for some people. But the yeah. reason it was self-indulgent was um, uh, it was because I was like, oh, I honestly don't, this is like a bonus level. This is mm. just like that last <laughs> twirl around with your pals. This yeah. is like the graduation the party. Yeah. It's exactly do what you want. And so we did stuff like we got people that we liked back, like Martin Mathers, who was the guy who played the two Virtua Cop games at the same time. We got him back as a commentator. Why? Just because we fucking could. And then then that final show, which was, you know, us deconstructing the set all around. Mm -hmm. Again, you just don't, TV shows don't do stuff like that. So I was really, it was the most fun I had. Absolutely the most fun I had. In any series was that that last series seven because there was just no pressure and it was just laugh after laugh after the laugh. I think Brilliant. it was with the last episode deconstructing the set. Was that you basically saying to Channel Four, "I'm telling you, this time it is over." <laughs> well, that's yeah, you, that's that's a good it point. Didn't. I'm sure it was at some subliminal level. Was I saying like that's it? You cannot bring us back because we are taking it apart before your very eyes. Little did I know that 25 years after that, or whatever, that they would attempt to reconstruct it again. Yeah, were you involved with disastrous results? Yeah. Yeah. Were, you, were you not asked to be involved at all, Dom, with the reboot? No, uh, I can't talk about it. 
And so for that reason, you can assume that there was talks. Um, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and yeah. And so, okay. So what I can say is, is that there was talks. Obviously mm-hmm. they weren't, they weren't good talks. Mm. Um, and uh, I didn't see any of it. And I'm not, this, I'm not one of these guys who pretends like, oh no, I don't read anything written about me. No, I fucking read everything mm-hmm. and it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, <laughs> so I um, but I genuinely didn't watch it and I didn't watch it for one reason. Um, and, I, and I'd like to apologize to the 5 million people who DM'd me on Twitter during that time, either going, are you, are you going to be doing games, the new Games Master? And also, what did you think of the new Games Master? Because I didn't reply to any of them. For legally, I didn't want to betray you know, discussions that were going on, but also I didn't want to have to give my honest opinion on yeah. it because yeah. I fucking love Rab Florence. Right? He is a good guy. I've known him for a while. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. He's a genuine guy. He's a fucking real stand-up guy. And uh, a gigantic talent. Probably the funniest, like him... Frankie Boyle, probably the two funniest people Scotland has produced mm-hmm. in the last 20 yeah. years. So, yeah. and I know he loves games. He loves games. knows more about games than I ever will. And I did not want to do anything that could have been, or say anything that could have been taken out of context and used to affect his work and his chance on the show, because he loved the show. He loved the original show. Yeah. And uh, so, so that was it. So I, I didn't see it. I can't comment on it. I just know that you know, I mean, I joke about with disastrous stuff. I know, obviously, ratings-wise, it you know, it didn't do great. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I think it's a shame. And I, yeah. I would rather that they hadn't have brought it back because you know, we like I say, we we never you know we went out on our own terms in the yeah. original proper show. But you know, TV people. I mean, I don't I don't own the rights, and that that's that's one of the biggest mistakes I ever made is that the, you would again I can't say this, but you would be shocked at how little the rights were sold to Games Master for. And I could have bought them if I'd known. And wow. I wish I had. wish I had oh, bought the rights wow, for Games yeah. Master because mm-hmm. we would have, it would have come back a lot earlier. It would have mm-hmm. come back with me. It would have come back with all the original team yeah, behind Johnny it. Finch and all that, yeah. Yep, a whole lot of us. And Dave and everyone. And it would have been great. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It would have been. Yeah, no, it's a shame. That's a shame. But that's why, that's part of the reason why I've, you know, I'm, I'm having Dominic's little old column was, was because of hearing from so many people who felt, you know, that the, the reboot wasn't the games master that they remembered. And, yeah. and I thought, well, okay, that's interesting. Um, there's obviously, you know, I know how much people cared about the show. And, yes. and because I'd started writing The Guardian and my Guardian columns have, have become, uh, and this is partly due to, this was the idea that brilliant, brilliant editor, Keza McDonald, also Scottish, um, who's oh, the I games know. editor at The Guardian. A few times. She's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And she's like, look, you know, how about this, this, you know, this, this series where you're revisiting the games that you, you didn't play because of your slavish addiction to FIFA over the last 20 years? <laughs> you know, the games that your kids have played and, you know, recon- and I said, right. So that's what I started doing. And, and as a result, I think I've tapped into... Um, what the, the games master generation kind of feel about disengaged from the game scene in a lot of ways these days, because it's uh, it's all it's microtransactions and games that are released that need 57 million patches to work. And it's esports, which are the most humorless 
invention ever. There's just no fucking wit or jokes or anything because, mm. you know, people fucking get paid millions of dollars to win this stuff. And that's yeah. fine, but there's a whole people bunch of people who watched Games Master who don't take games too seriously, who feel a little bit, you know, like who, who had to go and get jobs and have kids and everything. They're like, oh, it's just all so... F-. You know, they, they go online and try and play Call of Duty for 10 minutes and get absolutely smacked around and get told that the guy's going to, like you say, shag their mum. And so <laughs> yeah. I thought, let's let's do, a, let's do a games column because I love the stuff I'm writing for The Guardian and, and I'm yeah, kind of yeah. falling back in love with games as a result of that. And I yeah. thought, well, let's write a column about the place we're in and try and see if we, you know, make sense of not just games, but, you know, all kinds of other bizarre technology, like fucking cars, you start with a button instead of a key. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck <laughs> the fuck off. What's that? Right? The other couple of weeks ago, I'm not kidding. I drove, I don't know how this is even possible. I dropped my wife off at work. She has the key. I drive. I get, I get to like a shop. About half a mile away, I stop the car and all these lights are flashing because I don't have the key. How am I even allowed to drive that car? What is happening? <laughs> so, so, um, so again, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, gaming da kind of stuff. Really, gaming da. In a lot of ways that um, I think a lot of you guys who watch the show as kids and are now, you know, trying to you know, weave their way in this gaming world now, which is dominated by people who are kids now, and, and yeah. it's, it's all a bit mental and shouty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it's definitely something, like, I was I was reading the sort of intro to it, and it, it's definitely something that spoke to me. Like, I, I completely, it's, I was I was reading yeah. along with it, and I listened to it as well, and, like, I was just like, yep, you, it felt like you were, like, genuinely speaking to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and good. I'm, well, that's, that's I'm good. personally all in. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, that's good. No, well, well, well thank you. And th- this was the other thing was originally it was just going to be just a written thing like like the Guardian columns. But then yeah. the more I looked into the Substack uh, platform, I liked the fact that it was almost you know, that you can release an audio version at the same time. And yeah. I also felt, again, that's something for the people who were maybe disappointed that I wasn't there in the reboot, you know, that they'll they'll hear that voice. It's I mean, I kind of have a slightly unique kind of delivery. And mm-hmm. also, I, w- I mean, I will be swearing. Not gratuitously, <laughs> but I will be swearing. And I think that is one of the greatest things that's happened. I think that's like podcast's greatest contribution to the world of broadcasting <laughs> is it's allowed people to speak like people fucking speak. Yeah. And and it's not a fit, you know, it's not no one gives a fucking fuck about the word fuck. That we exactly. use it all the time. It's ridiculous. You know, that, that it's it's so so I I'm I am i am really excited about it. I won't swear too much because my mum genuinely gets really upset. And um <laughs> she really does. But uh but no, I'm I'm gonna really enjoy being unfiltered and it's not gonna be like I'm I'm not, you know. I'm not getting review copies of games and doing favours for people or anything like that. Like the the first one that's coming out on Thursday is I've spent the last 10 days, two weeks, two weeks, trying to get to grips with uh, eFootball 2022 when Konami right. finally claimed that they fucking got it right. Um, so, uh, you know, so that's my first one. And I feel that's a good kind of connection to that first Garden Call, which was about how I, I realised FIFA was the most evil gaming franchise uh, on the planet, both for the toxic online culture and also the, the microtransactions, the way they cynically squeeze every last bit of money yeah. out of you. So I, th- I thought Konami had got a great chance to, uh, 
kind of be the good guy in all of this. Mm. And obviously they completely fucked it up when they first brought it out. Uh, <laughs> and so my first, there's a kind of a big kind of 1200 words of, of, of what I think they have achieved with that. So that's one of the things in the first one that's out on Thursday. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Then uh, yeah, it's been a big talking point in the podcast over the the previous months because uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm a big fan of Pez, but um, aye, they made a complete fucking ass of that when they brought it out last year. They couldn't have, they couldn't have messed it up anymore. So I know I'll definitely be looking forward to to checking that out. Cool. Yeah, what I uh, what I liked about these the sort of the 15 minute podcast you released last week was I liked when you said. You really enjoy writing for the Guardian, and I believe you are going to continue that. Are you as well? Uh, unless, you, unless you've heard something I haven't. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I like <laughs> yeah, hi. Inside scoop. Yes. Yes. I like y- yes, I said, am. Yeah. yeah. Good. No, I like that you said that, or that. Well, I didn't like that you said it, but the, the, the point you made about you only get nine hundred words, and it's once a month, and it's and it was it was like, it was a thinly veiled dig at the lack of. A lack of uh, column space for video games these days, which you know, last year, you know, video games overtook Hollywood for 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 money, you know, for for income. You know, it's a massive, massive art that, that we also we all passionate about. Yet, like you're saying, you get such small um, um, column inches that obviously you then go on to Substack to do to do your your new venture. So I really like that you said that, and, and I completely agree. Yeah, well, but I, I think it's crazy. I think that all you've got is the the Telegraph and the Guardian, and I mean the Guardian start the Guardian gaming coverage is phenomenal. I mean, Keza yeah. is, is a, a superb writer, is a brilliant editor. Keith is brilliant. Some of the stuff that Simon Parkin writes, fucking so clever, and it's and it, and of course, and it should be because, like you say, that you know, the, the, it's the biggest cultural art form on the planet video games yeah. more people care about them than anything else and yeah. and we can have intelligent highbrow discussions about them and we can make silly little jokes about them and we can talk about how passionate we are about them and we just need the space to do it and i think it's 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 criminal that i mean there's obviously there's no tv shows at all which mm-hmm. is which is ridiculous um no and there's no newspaper inches so yeah so i think that's uh I think that's that's a great shame, and it's letting us all kind of down. So, hence the hence the Substack. Yeah, well, yeah. just as well you're here to to dig us out that hole. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely look. At, I I think like knowing our audience base, like it is that era, like <laughs> from talking to them and stuff like. That, and I think it will like definitely resonate with them as it has with us. Mm-hmm, uh, cool. So no, I definitely think you're onto something with it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, one of the last things before we uh, let you go, because you've been very generous with your time, I'm wondering if you could possibly dig me out a hole. Uh, we have a Discord, uh, a separate Discord for some of our listeners, and there's a game, I'm not sure if you've played it, but it's called Sifu, released a couple of um, months ago, notoriously hard, and one of the guys on the Discord, he's the only guy that managed to get the Platinum Trophy for it, and he has been waiting for a shout-out for probably two months and despite over various weeks on the podcast notes writing in capital letters bold big font to give him a shout out i have continuously forgotten uh and so i was wondering if you would be able to, his name's gaudi and i was wondering if you'd possibly be able to present him with a golden joystick for his, Listen, for his contributions as as long as you can, as long as you can legally confirm 
This isn't one of these things that you do to trap old Daz, where it turns out <laughs> that Sifu stands for something really fucking dodgy, and Gaudi is actually the name for dabbing your fucking balls on some guy's chin, right, or something. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I can legally <laughs> confirm. Uh, uh. So now, now we've got that, that legal disclaimer, because it's so easy to do. Oh, well, I wish I could remember. I wish I can remember now there was something and it was uh oh i nearly got trapped by um it wasn't turf it was uh it was was it simp it was something like simp that i nearly got trapped into basically doing a big shout out for a big pro <laughs> thing about at one point and i was like hang on a second it was my son who was like dad Fucking hell, you can't say it, but he doesn't speak like because he's Canadian. <laughs> uh, Dad, oh my God, that's shocking. That's terrible. <laughs> so um, so that's okay, right? As long as it's not one of those things. And it's, Sif- it. it's called Sifu? Yeah, it's a, um, it's a beat-em-up, uh, and it's very hard. It's getting an easy mode tomorrow, which will uh, yeah. certainly see a lot more people complete it. Um, so it's good timing that he, uh, he, he got it before that was available. See, this is, this is the, really interesting, right? Because I think a lot about... Uh, about the hardness of video games and obviously there's a lot of people who look back misty eyed to uh especially the zx spectrum days three lives and fuck off right you know and and, you know one hit manic minor that's it you're done no health bars nothing like that you know and and then that's proper gaming and everything and these games today where it's impossible to die and everything they're shocking Mm -hmm. and they're terrible and everything like that and i'm like bollocks Fucking cuphead! Fuck off, man! I think makes me have a heart attack within like thirty seconds. These games kill me. It's like no way, no way. Yeah. I'm far too old for that stuff now. So yeah. you know, Sifu, fucking f you. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I'm not even going near it. I'm not even oh, going near that's it. Life, tagline. life, too stressful. Sifu, <laughs> f you. That's a tagline right there. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so. But anyway, that said, right. So okay, here we go. Um, uh, okay, so it's a it's a beat 'em up. Let me just think. Okay, uh, fisting. Okay, all right. Um, okay, and so after showing more fisting prowess on seafood than you'd see on a whole day on Pornhub, the Golden Games Master joystick goes to Gaudi. When he listens to this, you've made his day. Would we say Pornhub on Games Master? We probably wouldn't get away with it if it was still 630 in time slot. We probably no. wouldn't use Pornhub as a reference. Um, I don't even, I mean, I, don't, I hear people talk about it, obviously. I have no idea what, what it is. Of course. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, no, me neither. <laughs> probably just another one of these things, you know. <laughs> Ah, uh, brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah. So the last thing before uh, we do let you go, uh, we have a weekly feature uh, that we sort of include you in on. It's called Get in the Bin. Uh, so every week we choose a person, a place, a thing, something that's been happening in the news, and uh, we just throw it into an imaginary bin. It's, it's taken off quite a bit. Uh, so I'm just going to yes. read out the nominations, and uh, you've graciously uh, said that you will choose this week's uh, this this week's winner. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, we have Matt Letissier uh, for claiming that COVID patients uh, dying were actors and that the whole pandemic was a hoax. 
that was uh, put in. Fuel prices, which I think everyone can agree with. Um, mm-hmm. We've got yeah. Donnie was nominated for declaring himself oh. a top shagger. <laughs> That's what they call a single, a single entendre, not even a double entendre there. No, that's just. Uh, oh, jeez. And I am a—I get nominated every week for various reasons. I most of our Discord are Manchester United fans, and I tend to put bets on them, which apparently make them lose. I've often declared cats are better than dogs, which people aren't happy about. Uh, so I get nominated every week. That's a sort of standing order. Um, yeah. So that was our nominations this week. If you have anything you'd like to throw in the pile as well before yeah, making a choice. Not, I mean, not, 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 I mean, not a topical uh, thing, but, but generally, because it is, it is one thing that I think people are just ridiculously emotionally attached to, is I think we should put pets in the bin. Not fucking literally, before anyone gets, you know. But the concept, the concept of pets, uh, unless they're monkeys. And I'll tell you why, because my, um, my, my childhood was blighted by pet trauma. Every pet that I had as a child died in really violent circumstances. Oh, no. So I always associate pets with traumatic loss. <laughs> and um, and I'm going through a horrible thing just now with I've got cats now and, and one of them died and one of them's not very well and it's just like oh my god you know I, why when you have kids you realise it's difficult enough keeping them alive without having mm-hmm. another being that you've got to try not to get fucking killed at some point so <laughs> I don't know why and, and, and pe- these weird people who, who don't have kids but have cats or dogs and they say they're the dog's mummy or the cat's daddy <laughs> it's like i'm sorry if you're going around saying you're the dad of a cat you're doing some sick fucking shit pal right <laughs> i'm sorry and so so uh the, the only the only exception is um is, is monkeys because obviously um you know monkeys are the the second smartest thing on the planet after humans. I know some people say dolphins are, but you know you don't see dolphins dressing up as cowboys and riding fucking horses, do you? So there. Um, and, um, so uh, and I like monkeys. Monkeys are like monkeys are more of a best pal. You know they sit there with you and they'll get you a beer from the fridge. So they've actually got a point that <laughs> other pets don't have. So yeah, I would like to nominate um, you know uh, pets with the exception of monkeys. But I mean, even I have to say that. And and I, I, I hate this personally because I have met Pat Letizia on mm. numerous occasions. Back in the day, the, one of the Channel 5 sports shows I did, Turnstile, was down in Southampton. And where he was on tour recently hailed as a god. And, and I, he was a, just a phenomenal footballer. And there is yeah. nothing worse than when heroes are exposed as being absolute ignorant Arseholes. And that unfortunately yeah. has happened with exactly. a lot of people because of Brexit and COVID. Brexit and COVID has just been a litmus test for fuckwits. Mm-hmm. And yes. um, and it has exposed people that you would normally have thought they're all right. So yeah. it's heartbreaking. And Matt Letizia, and also he's fucking dangerous. I mean, that mm-hmm. level of misinformation actually kills people. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Not yep. In the uh, fucking, I don't care how funny your free kicks were when you flicked them up and fucking shot in the bin in the <laughs> bin with you Matt Letizia <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. brilliant that's great uh, yeah thank you so much um, I've, I've enjoyed listening to your stories it's been absolutely brilliant um, just I guess if people um, want to find you where can they go your social handles etc 
Well, I, I go by the uh, cunning Twitter name of at Dominic Diamond. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think that there is a guy. I'm, I'm D-O-M-I-N-I-K. There is a guy that's D-O-M-I-N-I-C. And I feel really <laughs> sorry for the guy, especially after um, uh, Glasgow Derbies, because the abuse he gets oh, from <laughs> one half of Glasgow is a real shame <laughs> for the poor boy. I mean, listen, I, I've done a lot to deserve it. That poor guy's done nothing. So yeah, at Dominic Diamond on Twitter, um, and uh, I'm probably the same on Instagram. You know, I think if you probably Google me, then you'll find my socials yeah, and, I'm sure and all the details about the Substack will be on that. Excellent. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, well. we'll make sure Brilliant. to put the links for the Substack uh, within the podcast as well. Uh, very but, yeah, we're, we're very excited about it and looking forward to it. And thanks so much for, for giving us your yeah, time. Thank you so much, Dom. It's been, it's been hilarious. Yeah, thank it's you, absolutely thank brilliant. You. Listen, guys. So, guys, so Donnie, Craig, Jess, thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely talking to you, even though, Jess, you've sat there and kind of listened. But, <laughs> you know, that's way. okay. <laughs> Listen, if it's the 90s, if it's the 90s, I would have said, yeah, I wish my fucking wife was a bit more like that. But it's not the 90s, and we don't say stuff like that anymore. It's not funny, and it's not fair, and it's not true. <laughs> and the thing is, if my you can tell that my wife's at work, because if I even said something like that, I'd get absolutely fucking battered by her. <laughs> rightly so. And rightly so. <laughs> Brilliant. No, thank okay. you so much. Thank you very no much. Okay, so yeah, thanks very much to Dominic um, for chatting to us and he telling us about his new adventure. I will leave um, links in the episode description should you wish to check out more. Definitely, sounds good. And um, obviously his... Next issue is coming out the same day as this podcast, but yeah, I know he's going to be talking about eFootball. Uh, he's been checking that out, and I'm interested to see what he thinks because he's a huge FIFA fan, but he's decided that obviously FIFA do try to milk you like an animal if you play online, and so he was moving over to try pace. So I'm interested to see how he got on with that. Um, but yeah, it was interesting in that interview when he was saying, obviously, this. Shout out to Gaudi. By the way, Gaudi, you better be fucking happy with that, eh? You certainly <laughs> fucking... I may have fucked it up for a few weeks, but I certainly came through in the end with that. But uh, it was interesting when we got him to do the shout out and he was like, this better not be one of these... You better not be luring me into something. And it always makes me think back to... It was Hulk Hogan. Do you remember? He's been caught oh, on Twitter. Yeah, like, times. he just... At one oh. point, oh my god! Like someone had sent him that picture of Madeline McCann and said, "Can you give a shout out to my daughter? She's been the hide and seek champion for the last twelve years." And he did like a big fucking shout out. You're like, "Fuck's sake, mate!" He even yeah. said like my daughter Madeline, and the fucking Hogan's like, "Oh, that's amazing! Well done! She's so good!" And he gets so he gets fucking stung with that. And then someone, <laughs> it was about. A month later, someone obviously someone had saw that and went, Hogan's obviously gullible as fuck. So they came back and they were like, they sent him a picture of Joseph Fritzel and they were like, oh. um, my, my dad's just won Father of the Year. And I think it was like uh, for, for his honours and DIY or something like that. Can you, give him, can, you give, can you give him a shout out? And he fucking did it again. Oh, You're no. like, can you, do you know how to reverse image search? Also, so the names in the tweet, I realise none of these happened in America, but fuck it, just Google is a wonderful thing. Just fucking <laughs> drop it in. Because see, after you've been stung once, I would be checking everything. Yeah. 
everything. I don't know if he's been caught with anything recently. I mean, I would assume it's one of these fool me once, fool me twice, you'll never fool me again things, but fuck's sake, Hogan. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay, then, Craig, over to you for this week's Pure Dead Platinum. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Craig Craig likes to play what we call Pure Dead Platinums now, and they are games that have easy and or quickly obtainable trophies or achievements. Yep, this week I have two games, but they're essentially... they're essentially the one game. They're, why is this happening? They're made. Yes, why is this happening now? Where he's pulling out <laughs> fucking five games for his ass? Because I can see how much it annoys you, so I'm just going to keep escalating the situation every week until it's a proper half hour segment. Annoy me, I just turn off. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, uh, the two games are both by S Mobile. And they are essentially the same fucking game, let's be honest. Like, you can see I made trophy walkthroughs on youtube for them which was quite easy the second time again because it's the same fucking game <laughs> so the first game is called burger run mm-hmm. okay the second game taco run right <laughs> now can can you guess what they've changed <laughs> right the food item well no one's a football game another one's a walking simulator right, right. no right, they're both they're both running games where you can't you basically can't stop running you're running left to right you've got to collect things kill a, each time the baddie's a condiment I don't know what this team have against condiments condiments are great I know on burger run it's like a sort of tomato sauce that's attacking you and oh. then in the taco run it's like a salsa I'm like what, what you got against condiments tomato right, so tomato sauce salsa or HP sauce what's the best for a burger Barbecue sauce. Tommy K for a burger for me. What's that? Tommy K. Oh, ketchup. Eh, <laughs> uh, not mayo. Mayo's not. Oh, don't get I him. Don't like don't, don't get him started on mayo. You like mayo? Well, it's not that I like mayo, but my name is Mayo Three has gone gold. It's been <laughs> so announced. <laughs> it's one of the original shitty platinums when you just have to tap the mayo jar. They have announced a third game. Great. <laughs> Can't believe he's no sold that. Fuck's sake. Looking forward to hearing about that one. You still need to play the first two, mate. Oh, right? You will have no idea the backstory. Oh, dear. But yeah, so Burger Run and Taco Run, you, you can get the Platinum in a minute. If you're... I mean, it took me about six attempts. <laughs> you, you don't... Thankfully, my video editing skills are getting slightly better and you don't, notice, you don't notice the cuts. So it took me about six minutes, but it'll take you a minute. And all you have to do is run left to right. You have to collect three of two different items, kill the condiment without getting hit and kill finish the, the level without... <laughs> finish the level without taking any damage. Mm. And I did, I did spot that there has tro- trophies have gone live for a game this week and it's called Pizza Run. <laughs> Now, next week, folks. Next yep. week. Don't the the big question is <laughs> the big question is will it be a full pizza that's Ooh. running or will it be a pizza slice? Mm. Yeah, place your bets. Place your bets. I, Jump on Discord. Place your bets. I would like to think that it's like a little triangle pizza pizza uh, slice with arms and legs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's going to have arms and legs. It has to run. Right, okay. <laughs> 
fuck's sake. I could roll if it's a whole piece, I could roll. That would oh, be disappointing. Stupid questions, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, this mob don't have the they don't have the animation skills for that, which is horrible to say. But uh no, it's it's gonna I think it's gonna be a pizza slice, triangle down to the bottom, wee legs running along. Yeah. Probably a pair of eyes on it. I think they'll I think you might get it. Okay. But what's gonna be attacking it? Jeez. Well, if it was him, if this fucking idiot was involved, it would be cheese that would be attacking it. That would be yes. that would be the pizza's mortal enemy. The main enemy. Mm. But it, but it wouldn't be. Maybe it'll what be, a, would whole, it be? a whole pizza and then a pizza cutter. Mm. That would actually right. These games are very cut and paste. But see if you were running and then just a pizza cutter started <laughs> catching up with you from behind. I would I would have a bit of respect for that. That's actually pretty good. Write that down. We can make that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It'll be fucking raging when we bring that out. And it's called Actually Pizza Run. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so these games are, a sh- to be fair, a shocking £6.50. Oh, and oh uh, yeah, they take about a minute and a half. There's four stacks. They're not crossed by either. So you would have to spend, what, quick math, 6, 12, 18, 24, £26 to get all four Platinums, mm. which... It's not happening. No. Uh, glad, glad we got a code through for that one. Although after the last five minutes, we're probably not gonna not gonna be covering pizza run, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, that's your two or your eight pure dead platinums for this week. Thank you, thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm always happy to help. Okay, so yeah, before we wrap things up, we always like to kind of review the games coming out in the next week, and we have. Pick of the week. So pick of the week. 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 So what's the bunch coming out this week and what's the best of the bunch, Craig? There's not much. I didn't even put a poll on Twitter just because it's it's pretty slim pickings. The only big release I would say is Trek to Yomi. Yeah. And that's that's the game of the week. There is a couple of things like I mean, I suppose you could say like the update for Sifu like adds difficulty options, so maybe that's almost like a new game for people because it's more accessible now. But there was when I checked the Xbox releases, there was probably t- maybe ten different games coming out, but they all I mean there was nothing of the level of Trek to Yomi. Like it is, it is a pretty big release, and so far from what we've played, like looks pretty good. It looks like it's going to deliver on what it promised. So uh, there was there was no real point in putting up a, a poll. I would say it was definitely the pick of the week. And watch the video that is live right now in the future of me playing Trek to Yomi, not MDLs. Else. Mm-hmm. They're all fuds. Watch me, pure dead gaming, YouTube mm-hmm. forward slash. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everyone. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this week's episode. If you did enjoy it, then please take some time to leave us a review. It would be much appreciated. Like Squinny did, by the way. Oh, yeah, that was a we nice said we'd give We said we'd give people shout-outs if they left nice reviews. And review? it was you that brought this to my attention. Yeah. That he left a cracking review, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, you going to pull nice. up? I'll, I'll go here. Oh, why did I just search podcast? That's gonna. <laughs> that's gonna say a little more specific. We're, we're, not, we're not quite top of the charts. Podcast. Yet. <laughs> Pure dead fun. Five stars. 
I've been listening to this pod since the start, and the Pure Dead guys have now become a staple of my daily life. From starting with the weekly pod, I'm now finding myself lost in a Pure Dead world on Discord, where the fun and frolics never stop, with a great community of gamers and personalities. From shitty Platinums, RIP, to gaming movies, they always keep you engaged and looking forward to the next pod. Add it to your library, you won't be disappointed. Five scotch pies and no sleep emojis from me. So, well done, Squinny. That is why you are the favourite. <laughs> Never forget that. Yes, and if you want to be part of the fun and frolics, you can indeed join our Discord. There will be a link in the show notes. It's free. Anyone can join. We Currently. <laughs> Currently. As soon as I can make a buck, you'll be paying. <laughs> Um, so yeah, come join, come chat to us. Um, as I mentioned previously, our gaming movie for next week is Dead Rising, so if you want, give it a watch and we'll chat about it next week, along with all the usual news, nonsense, get in the bin, etc. as well. Yep. Yeah, and with that said, um, yeah, thanks again for listening and we shall chat to you again next week, 3pm Thursday, usual time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.